he carries the Charles Atlas seal of approval. Eleven o'clock comics, episode two hundred and twelve. <laughs> I thought, that, I thought that was your voice does the echo. <laughs> well, David is a robot, so we just... Yeah. <laughs> David's our beatbox. Yeah. He's the, a- he's the Akon of 11 o'clock comments. <laughs> I gotta admit, it's nice to not have to be recording. It's nice to just talk. <laughs> I don't have to worry about actually editing this. I'm sorry, Vince. Come, baby, come, baby. So I'm, gonna, I'm gonna find out what that's like. <laughs> <laughs> it's fun on the other side. I'm walk about two for one. <laughs> ah, ah. I mean, it's only a month. Oh, was it more? Oh, is it? Well, it, it could be forever if you keep it up. Ron, he'll send us emails and he'll uh, to all, to David, myself, and Jason, and he'll ask a question, and I make a point of never returning the email. And he, he's like, well, at least David loves me. And I, and I don't even return the email to that. I just let them go. Maybe it was that, like, when, when, when the whole walkabout thing happened, I was like, I sent him a note, I'm like, okay, dude, you know, because he does note miss for us on my fanboy, and, and when he gets around to it, he writes for us every now and then, and I was like, alright, well, have a good time off, he won't bother you with any stuff, and he wrote back, he's like, no, you can still see me on the emails, it's cool. Oh, sure. <laughs> you don't get it both ways, you're either in or you're out. You know? He does like it both ways, though. He does. Yeah, he does. He really he does. does. He smiles, as you define well, he's got to. Well, in between bites from the pillow. <laughs> <laughs> Why is this pillow smiling at me? Oh, <laughs> snap. Snap. Hey, everybody, look around. It's 11 o'clock comics, episode you, you, 212, and I'm Vince. four years. That's right, and I am Vince B. Excited. I am David Price. That's yeah. True. And fresh from the 30th century, I am Arm Falloff Boy. Oh Jesus! What the Dude, hell is tell wrong? me that's not the best Legion of Superheroes superhero ever. Bouncing oh, boy. Nah. Dude, I didn't even know he existed. Arm fall off boy? Are you kidding me? There, that wait, is wait, wait a minute! Wait a minute. There, there is no good Legion of Superhero ever. <laughs> oh. Dude, Floyd Belkin could take his limbs off and beat people with them. That is awesome. He's terrible in Vegas, though. Tell me that isn't tailor-made for a Morrison Legion remake. I feel so bad for the the misdirection that you and Chris and all you guys have been given by going down this Legion path. It's like I listen to the show and hear you guys talk about these Legion stories. I'm like, no, don't bother. It's bad. I have never read any old-school Legion. I've only read uh, Legion Lost and a few... I read some of the the recent incarnations and pretty much dropped each one uh, yeah, success, uh, successively. The Wade one's really good. The Wade Kitson one. Yes, yeah, that was yes. good. I just yeah, yeah, it was just it was hard to. I felt like if you didn't, I just feel like Legion is tough with all the characters to not have some oh, kind it's of. Sure, exhausting. it's exhausting to Come read. Come on, son, no like, great every darkness time I saga. It's uh, stuff that was gold. good. That was good. Yeah. yeah. By the way, uh, I hear a full sorry. Force. I'm talking. Well, like, no, no, no. We we didn't do the rebuttal. You are not arm fall off, boy. You're you're Jason Wood. What you it? are? And we have a guest in the house again, sitting in for the wayward Mr. Neesman. Uh, uh you already know who this guy is, but I'm gonna throw a couple words at you anyway. I fanboy. Hmm? Brit Pop, yes, Brit Pop aficionado. <laughs> I love that word. How about this one, Morrison Khan? 
<laughs> graphically, he's a Ooh. techno wizard, devilishly good-looking man. Oh, I don't know about that. Yeah, you are. Mr. Ron Richards, look <laughs> Hello. at this. Hello. Good to be nice. back. It's been too long. The man, yes. the man of a thousand podcasts. Well, I, think <laughs> I, was, I was a little concerned if, if, you, if we're going to have you back, Ron, since there was that little um, fish brouhaha at the end of the last time you were on. <laughs> So you know, after I guess I guess you know, time does heal all wounds and time and does. Yeah, I, I can forgive enough, things. But, I, yeah. No idea what you're talking about. Excellent. That's good. That's good. This and is like fifty two. Ron, Ron has been on at least a hundred podcasts as a guest. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's not. 100. And that's just in between his last time here and today. That's true. I've yeah. actually scaled back a lot on doing other podcasts because I've been so busy. But dude, um, you were awesome last week on Doctor Susical. <laughs> Listen, that was right? great. I had and, a uh, lot of thoughts to say about Dr. Seuss. <laughs> I was going to say, man, your your take on the Lorax was cutting edge. Oh <laughs> uh, no, but I'm trying to scale back a little. I'm too busy, man. Who was it? Because uh, it was uh, so. It was my birthday yesterday, and yes, I was going to uh, say happy belated to you, sir. You. Well, I mean, I wish you a happy birthday on your day, but for yes, the listeners you, but- out there. One of the best uh, tweets that I got was actually from our fellow, actually ex-podcaster, Mr. Augie DeBleek, who tweeted, and he's he wished me a happy birthday. Although he said I'm probably too busy to realize it was my birthday, <laughs> so which is yeah. kind of true. So wait, so Augie Augie stopped his podcast too? Yeah, like years oh, ago. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. So are you? Oh really? Oh, see, yeah. Yeah, I guess we, we are we are so gonna rule. We're gonna we're gonna rule. And I was uh, gonna say, Ron, are you and Connor and Josh getting a little tired? Because. <laughs> <laughs> Let's call it quits. We're, we move up the seniority ranks pretty quickly. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, the answer to that is twofold: is that uh, yes, we're incredibly exhausted after it's we're entering year seven. But um, part of it is my blind tenacity and stubbornness that we just won't. Nice. You, did, you need I, to I take a rest. Yeah. <laughs> I think you guys were rejuvenated when you all left each other's company. Once you yeah. once you moved to disparate parts of the country, you uh, you became rejuvenated. <laughs> yeah, a little bit, a little bit. Oh. And what's what's funny is that you should. I mean, I, sometimes I should I should um, release the recording before and after the show because like before we're like, all right, let's do this, let's just get this done with, and then we're like, hey, welcome to my family, blah blah blah, and then at the end of it, we're like, all right, I'm gonna go, all right, talk to you later, and then we're off. <laughs> like it's just like it's totally. Yeah. It's like the it's the Looney Tune cartoon. Remember with the sheepdog and the coyote when they check in like. Yes. Yeah, it's like yeah. that. It's like Warren Bill. Hey, Sam, hey, George. Yeah. Awesome. Yes. What a good analogy. <laughs> it is a good analogy. And you can rejuvenate your wallet. You know where? Oh, where? <laughs> At Discount Comic Book yeah, Service. Awesome. Awesome. Because they will save you boatloads of cash on comics and collectibles because you will get them far below retail, like way down below. 35 to 75% off. Get this. I'm echoing like crazy. You, you can, from yeah, from Dark Horse... Wow, that's really annoying. We don't hear nothing. You don't? From from Dark Horse, you can get the concrete three uneasy pieces one shot by Mr. Paul Chadwick. Cover price, $2.99. What are you going to take it home for? A buck forty-nine. That's 50% off. Once again, from DC, the second bundle of books in the Before Watchmen series. You can get Ozymandias, number one. Minuteman, number two. Really? I always thought it was Ozymandias. It's Ozymandias. Yeah, I think it's Ozymandias. Ozymandias. Okay. okay. I pronounced something correctly? Whoa. There you uh, go. Minuteman number two, Silk Spectre number two, and The Comedian number two. Now, the cover price of these four books is $15.96, but you're not going to pay that. You're not going to pay close to that. $7.98, and they're yours. Okay? Boom. The, fir- the first Adventure Time spinoff is 
coming out soon. Uh, Marceline and the Princess Bubblegum special. Yes, called Scream Queens. I think it's four issues. You can get number one for a buck ninety-nine. You noticing a, a little theme here? Fifty percent off. And from Oni, it's the Scott Pilgrim Color Hardcover, Volume One, Precious Little Life. Lots of pages, lots of color, half price, $12.49. Get the to discount comic book service, dcbservice.com, and they will save you money. Verily, they will. Nicely done, sir. Yeah, yeah. We're back so to only one sponsor as well. Yeah, I know. Uh, how was your, how, how was the, wasn't the pig thing? Didn't the pig thing happen already? The pig or? thing, yeah, it was a big yeah. <laughs> Was it fun? Um, well, I would say it was uh, two thirds of us did what we yes. needed to do. Yeah, yeah it was two thirds of the fun. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I, must I got say attacked that, by uh, a crazy woman. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, as planned, David A. Price and, and Monsieur Wood uh, rolled up to, uh, Piscataway, New Jersey, and uh, and met up bright and early in the morning, and uh, had a pretty good day, I would say. Nice. Um, although it, we we waited uh, in vain uh, outside in the rain for about three hours for our good friend oh Vince to show God, up. Oh my God! In the rain, and uh, and then yeah. we realized that uh, apparently he had other things more important to do. Yeah, that's what and, it was, uh, and blew us off. But that's like, okay, like, man. Like trying okay. to find my balls. That's what I was trying to do. <laughs> nah, but it was fun. It was fun. They did a great. I thought they did a great job. There were um, David felt right at home because there was a a big group of uh, of Hasidim. Uh, yes. Oh shit! There was a bunch great. of Hasidics in, in yeah. He felt absolutely. good. He was a little upset. He didn't, didn't have his Hasidim coming. Curls. I didn't know which convention I was there for. I was just like, you know, is it Wild Pig or is it, you know, Jews on Ice? So I was just, I know. It, was, it was great. They love the ice. They, uh, we were early enough in line that we were able to get one copy of every single free comic book day book this year. Nice. So, uh, yeah, so how does the uh, Archaea one look? Beautiful. It's, really? it's, like, it's little. It's nice. Though. Well, I yeah, it's like a golden book sized book. Nice. Really? Yeah, it is. Yeah. Oh, I can dig that. But those went quickly, and then uh, we waited. In, we probably had to wait for like an hour, I would say, right, to get it. To get it that, to... Yeah, I mean, luckily, we, we um, I mean, aside from keeping each other company, we, we, we uh, chatted with uh, Paolo from Cadence for a little bit. Uh, Scott, a listener, came up and, uh, and asked if, if Jason was Jason and, and if I was David, and, and he listens to the show, so thank you for stopping by, Scott. Um, we chatted with Daryl for a little bit. Um, oh, yeah, JK Woodward. <laughs> yeah, you know he was making sure JK Woodward showed up, but uh, no, he's a goddamn Daryl. We waited for a little while, and um, and basically kind of just yeah, I, I guess we had to wait till ten o'clock for for the doors to open. But um, you know, it was I mean, yeah, as soon as you checked in, and they gave you a little uh, envelope, which also included restaurants in the area to eat at and things like that, and then uh, you along and and checked out the table of, of all the uh, comic book day goodies and uh, and Jason's right yeah I mean pretty much one of or they, they had everything and, and pre-orders were granted one of each and um, I was looking through the Adventure Time freebie I didn't read anything because I know I'm, I'm Vince with DCPS I'm, I'm waiting for him to get his at the, at the end of the month so I, I haven't I, I'm, I'm waiting to talk about whatever aren't you a sweetheart gonna have so um, but I mean a lot of them looked Really great, and and uh, the the image one looked pretty funky too. I mean, it was basically just one of um, a few, like one or two preview pages of of some upcoming titles. But you know uh, what, including what Mr. Norton and Mr. Seeley's book. Yes. Oh, actually, cool. Yeah, yeah. At least it was new. At least it was new material on like the the two Marvel reprints. 
You know, yeah. it's funny you say that because I, I, like I said, we got a copy of every book, and then when I came back from the con, I uh, or from the sale, I, uh, I like pulled out all the, the books that I'd gotten for the boys, and, and we went through them and like kind of divvied up the ones that I thought were okay for them to read, and then the ones that I probably thought they wouldn't be interested or wouldn't be appropriate, and uh, and obviously I gave them the two Marvel ones, but uh, but then I, I was curious if they were new stories or not. I assume they weren't though, so you just confirmed. No, and that's and that's the thing. I mean, I know that um, I didn't. I didn't because I haven't been reading Avengers, so I did not know it. It, it was a reprint, and um, I guess I'm okay with that with with it kicking because it kicks off the Ultron storyline. But yeah, but also, no, but 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 I mean, and and granted, you, you have to keep in mind because Jason Jason kind of became a a uh, and main topic for this evening, but he kind of became a, a Frank Whiteley fan because of the All-Star Superman free comic book they reprint that DC put out of show. That is true. So, you know, publishers have done that in the past. So yeah, it's bullshit. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I think I'm, I'm, I'm of mixed mind on free comic book day because I, I feel like it's, from all the a lot of the publishers and the retailers I know, I feel like a lot of them really dislike it. Does Sime do it, Ron? Yeah, yeah, Sime does. Yeah, Sime does it. Um, I actually was there Friday night at Isotope Comics in San Francisco. I was actually there Friday night, just hanging out, and they were starting to set up, and so I actually helped them set up. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were. I took a picture and I posted it on Twitter. It was packed. The place was packed the whole time. Those hardcovers went like no, like crazy. And and he he gives out more stuff. Like he like all the free like promo posters that Diamond sends him, stuff like that. He like he bundles that up and gives that to oh, people. Cool. So it's more than nice. just the comics, but. Um, but it's funny because the, 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 the feeling I get is that Free Comic Book Day has become this thing that everyone has to do because they want they don't want to be in a position where they're not trying to help the industry, but nobody is really doing it wholeheartedly other than like a few select retailers, you know, like um, uh, Collector's Paradise in L.A., did, you know, they had a huge signing and, and people there and made a big deal out of it, stuff like that. But, I mean, when Marvel just rolls out reprints and when – as much as I love Image, I'm a huge Image fan, but like just putting a couple page previews into one thing, like it's kind of like, right, all right, well, right. here's this thing that we're doing because we have to do it. And it's so it's like my whole thing is like either do it or don't do it, you know, right. like, you know, and I look at Record Store Day, which happened in April, which is a great way to get, which is a day to get people into the record stores. You know, it's not a free record day, but like there's a ton of exclusives and, you know, like things are discounted and it's like things you can only get on that day and like they, they're special releases. I think the comic industry now, like what ten years into doing free comic book day, could could do a little more to juice it up. I think personally, yeah, you're right. That's just me. I yeah, I think you're right. You're, you're Ron, right. you'll appreciate this. I didn't get it yet because I have it coming from DCBS, but I heard that uh, the Archie free comic book day uh, release for Sonic, they yep. they reprinted parts of Genesis, but they added story pages to flesh out. Something that happens to a certain character, I'll just say, because we don't want to spoil it in case anybody hasn't read Genesis. But so you even get even more of that great story with it, which is cool. Yeah, did you, well, I, did you, I, yeah, I have that issue sitting here, but I, could, but I haven't looked at it yet, though. So. Ron, did yeah, you read it yet? Did I? Ron? No, Ron. Oh, no, I, I have not read it yet. I have it in, oh. I have it in my stack as well. Yeah, no, you have no idea. My two read stack is is kind of uh, embarrassing right now. So, uh. which is baffling to me because I think if there's one thing that you are known for because of the nature of iFanboy is being up to date. Well, but yeah, but that's the thing up to date on the Wednesday books. Right. Um, right. So what happens is that every Wednesday, like this week I had the pick of the week and I had, I had to read my entire stack of books and then write, pick one and write a review. Uncanny X-Force baby. 25. So good. Um, but, uh, you know, so like we're up to date on the weekly books, but then, you know, any graphic novels, trades, 
things that are outside the norm. Like when I want to catch up on something and I go get some back issue or whatever, like I've got the stack that I just slowly try to whittle down through. And, and for whatever reason, I decided to revisit my Captain Britain on the bus recently. And so now, so now, that, nice. now that I'm just like stuck in Alan Davis, Alan Moreland. Oh, I was going to say, uh, speaking to Alan Davis, my page came yesterday. Oh, oh, did geez. it? Yeah. As it looks so pretty, dude. Oh. Yeah. Oh, it's so nice for yeah. That for those that don't know, I I, I was finally you know Alan Davis uh, is 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 arguably my favorite artist uh, of all time, and he he uh, he's a very wonky uh, original art process. Uh, and so I've tried probably for like four or five times in a row. Like so, it's like once every six to nine months he has a sale, and um, you basically have to you get an email from his dealer literally with just a list of the pages, the issue, and the number. There's no scans. It basically is incumbent upon you to know what the page looks like. There's no, like, if you don't know what it looks like, you're basically buying blind. And then you have to email him right back and say, I want this page. And there's no, like, holding or, so it's, I've tried for two and a half years to buy a page and every time come up short. So this time I finally was able to get a page and it uh, came. So it's, uh, it's a page from his, uh, his Captain America, his recent Captain America run. It's it's a it's a it's a Falcon page. I'm a big Falcon fan, so I actually I, uh, saw the, I saw the colored page in the pages of Captain America like last issue. Nice, yes, and I sir. was like, oh, that's Jason's page. Awesome, that's right. Yeah. So uh, and yeah, he he, uh, he did because I did I asked for him to sign it to me, and he was actually did come sign to me. So that's cool. So uh, yeah, so I'm pretty psyched. Yeah, I, I feel like I'm shirking my responsibilities here. We should, since even though Chris isn't here, we still should do the drink roll call because I'm very excited about it. Oh, nice! Um, so drink roll call time. I'll kick it off. Um, I'm actually for this uh, for this occasion. I've chosen an award winning beer. What? Uh, um, I know. What? And Jason knows me. I'm not a big beer guy. I was going to say you don't drink beer. It's like um, that drinking beer. But this is. Ah. Um, this is this is probably in a legendary American beer that is just like probably one of the like really the cornerstones of America. Meisterbrow. Um, it uh like Pabst. I said it's it's award winning and there Pabst you go it is Pabst Blue Ribbon beer PBR you're such a hipster established you're in Milwaukee 1844 <laughs> and it won the America's Best Beer in 1893 and they've just been milking it ever since so nice. there you go that is my PBR uh-huh. for the show now, I have to ask are you wearing uh are you wearing Converse high tops and skinny jeans right now no, I'm not <laughs> <laughs> but, nice uh, nicely done. Yes, but no, actually, it's because because I just moved, and this is the last beer from the case of PBR that I had to woo my friends to help me move into my new house, and so this is the last beer from the case, and this is all I had in the house, so I don't nice. have any liquor, I don't have anything, so, um, and also, I got ridiculously hammered last night for my birthday, so I'm a little foggy, so I figured <laughs> I don't want to drink that much awesome. today. How awesome were those cupcakes, though, Ron? I saw that picture, and I'm just like, I was completely envious. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. She, the, the girl did all right. She did. She she came in. She she came in and 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 impressed on the birthday. So I'll give her that much credit. So awesome. yeah, she did a good job. And it came that big and the the Thor's hammer. It, that wasn't made out of cupcake. That was actually it's like a foam toy hammer. And I've been playing with it all day. That's what she oh. said. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Well done. <laughs> Thank you, sir. All right. So that's my drink. Whoever goes next. It's hard to beat know. that, really. I know, isn't it? Atrocious <laughs> ended. Who you hand it off to? Uh, Jason, why don't you? I'll hand it off to you, sir. Well, I too am drinking beer, although it's probably less shocking to people if you're that. Um, I am drinking a premium lager from the wonderful country, otherwise known as Belgium. Uh, I'm drinking a Stella Artois. Ooh. Or I should say, I should say I'm drinking a a collection of Stella Artois right now. <laughs> uh, the uh, the wife beater beer. 
Yeah, you know, every time, yeah, see, you you can tell you listen to the show because every time I mention it, Chris is like, you know, that's a wife beater beer. Well, no, like, oh, no, well, yeah, I listen to the show, but that's also what, because I, 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 how I found out about that is I, 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 and you guys know that my my ex girlfriend was, was British, and over in England, Stella is like, it's like, literally, they call it wife beater beer because it's just like, it's shitty beer that guys who beat their wives <laughs> drink. And so, like, and, and so, like, and so we, we were out in New York, and we were out in New York City uh, one, one weekend, and we went somewhere, and I was like, I was like, ah, you know, she's like, oh, I really want a beer. And I was like, all right, cool, let's go. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not a big beer guy, but whatever, I'll get one. And I ordered a Stella. And she's like, why'd you get a Stella? And I'm like, what do you mean? It's 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 European. Like, I was all like, it's Belgian. And she told me the whole yeah, thing. See, I'm going to have like, a complex now. I, try, I love Stella. I think it's a good beer, personally, but whatever. Yeah. Yeah. F all y'all. There you go. Oh, <laughs> like, Wait, let me pause. i got to hit my wife real quick. <laughs> nice. Classy. Smack it. <laughs> Speaking of hitting wise, Vince, what did uh, what do you do? Nice, beautiful segue. <laughs> well, in uh, in uh, I thought Ron's presence was uh, another damn good reason to to cast off my my recent water kick, and I too am drinking beer, specifically a lager. It's a slow brewed extra gold. That's what it's called. Extra Four gold. Is extra gold. No, just just called extra gold. Unheard of. I've never even yeah. heard of that. It's, wow. it's the, dude, it's the cheapness. You can get a, a case of like 30 for 15 bucks. Oh, my goodness. Lager, yeah. I hardly know her. <laughs> it's, like, it's not a white can. It says like black lettering or anything Seriously, it? I'm waiting for the Roadrunner to run by real quick. I'll <laughs> <laughs> just piss off. David, what are you drinking, buddy? Uh, damn, I feel like running down to the fridge and see if we have any Heineken in there or anything. <laughs> but I'm I'm gonna uh, I'm just gonna stay true and and uh, I'm having from uh, Columbia Crest two vines Merlot from Washington State. Knew it? Did you? I did. I knew it was some kind of grape. Nice. That's good though. Nice. He likes the fruity stuff. Hey Vince. Hey like yeah. I know no one no no friend of mine loves bargain hunting more than you do. You uh, live so, for it. I'm so freaking cheap. But you live for it, though, right? You love I to do. Go to, you love yeah. to go to garage sales and yes. flea markets, and you love diving into the bins. Mm-hmm. So I think of all the people not to have gone to the Wild Pig, you were the one that I think missed the most because, again, you love the bin dive. Um, and Dave and I were pretty good. We didn't spend a lot of money. Like we right. didn't. We basically just hung out and talked to ourselves to each other, and then you know to the occasional other person. But. Right. Um, but I did come away with uh, with with something that made me pretty giddy because there was only one copy, and that was that after I bought it, about ten minutes into the the place opening, I got a lot of jealous looks at like, where did you get that? Oh, what did you buy? The <laughs> naughty and nice Bruce Tim, oversized. Yeah, Ooh, nice. Fifty percent off. He, he is he is quite the dirty gentleman. <laughs> yeah, he is. And yeah. speaking of the antithesis of dirty. I would say that the most interesting interaction David and I had at the thing was Lee Weeks was there. Yes. Oh, straight edge, yeah. Lee is, um, well, yeah. I mean, I think it's fair to say Lee has uh, accepted Jesus Christ as Savior. Uh, I think that's fair to say, wouldn't you say, David? Yes, it definitely yes, would. indeed. And, um, but in all sincerity, although we may have diametrically different views about faith, uh, David and I went over to talk to him, and he, um, I had heard that he is a, uh, a magician as well. Mm-hmm. And we're sitting there chatting with him, and he starts doing these card tricks. Dude, it was baffling. <laughs> it was baffling. Like, I don't know how he did them. It was crazy, dude. I had, I had my hand out flat. So did Jason. Yep. He, put, he put the, um, the ace of spades in my hand, the ace of clubs in, uh, in Jason's palm, and he, like, snapped his fingers. And he had, he had two red aces 
in, in Lee's hand. He snapped his fingers. Next thing I know is I have the Ace of Diamonds. Jason has the Ace of Hearts. It was baffling. Uh, yeah. I know how he did it. He's cheating. Well, whatever. Jesus, Jesus did it for him. Yeah, Jesus did it for him. <laughs> <laughs> but in all sincerity, he was super cool. He did like he three really or four for us. And yeah. uh, his art was beautiful. And there was a um, we were like leafing through it as we were talking to him. And um, David was we you know we were just looking at a different book. And then David came across this. Uh, I guess it was like a commission style thing. It was it was it was Lee drawing the uh, the beast in in the five different. Yeah, through the ages. Over the years from yeah. you know from from human looking beast all the way up to to oh, you know boy. to the current uh, you know dog beast you know cat beast or whatever, and um, Steve Sanders version wasn't in there. I guess he must have forgotten <laughs> the horse version. Um, yeah, <laughs> from sword. But uh, <laughs> but uh, so David's like, oh, what do you think of this? Because you know I'm a, I was like, oh, and I, and and I said, Lee, how much is this? And he he goes. That's two, and I was about to be like, I'm on it, and he goes, grand. Oh. <laughs> it was, yeah. Lee, and the Lee, thing was, was literally, what's that? No, I was just going to say, no, go, go ahead and finish. I'll let you. No, I mean, the thing was, is it was two grand, and it wasn't even like a, you know, like a cover or something. It was literally like a commission with five different figure drawings of the beast, and I was like, man, good good for you. You know, good yeah. for you, buddy, because. He is very good, though. At, at first, I thought it might have been a print, but I, I, it was the only one there. And it, basically, with Lee's portfolio, if you have to ask, you can't afford it. It, it really is one of those things because there, there really aren't any prices on anything. A lot of things he really doesn't feel comfortable selling it because it's personal or he just doesn't feel like it's worth the money he's he's asking for it. Um, we, we we talked for a little bit about you know his his time in the business. Uh, he has a Daredevil story coming out probably really at the cool, end of actually, the year. So it I, really does. I yeah, it comes out to that. Uh, but he, you know, he's just he he had some uh, some Batman pages and and from his uh, the, the the Chronicles book he, he was penciling and he had some of uh, some of his Hulk work by uh, with the, the, that he drew that uh, Bruce Jones wrote and I mean it's just there was he had a, he had some Jay Joe work in there and um, he was working on a commission uh, jam piece and, and he was actually drawing uh, Ratcatcher at the time yeah. But um, and he was wow. sitting next to uh, Joe Staten. But I mean, it was yeah, it was it was absolutely it was the we had a fun time talking to him. Um, I, I saw spoke to Bruce Rosenberg for a little bit, but like I mentioned, uh, we talked to Palo for a little while. Mm-hmm. Um, it, wait, wait, wait! Was, Before you get into we saw, it, we saw Boomer no, Z. No, no lie. What were the really bronze books for Fifty Cents? Like, oh yeah, absolutely, tons yeah. of them. I mean, I, I I picked up. I, I left with. I mean, the earliest books I think I left with were uh, were some older uh, Power Man and Iron Fist issues from like it, you know like late issue number sixties or seventies and things right, like yeah. that. Right. Yeah. Um, but you know, there were some other things. I mean, Jason picked up some Star Wars books for his boys uh, from Dark Horse, mm-hmm. uh, but they also had some of the the Marvel Star Wars books in oh, there. Yeah. Um, I uh, I mean I I went through you know a lot of the fifty cent books but um, yeah I I left with with uh, with Black Sad the hardcover and oh, which lucky which, you which, which Renee grabbed from me I haven't seen it since so I, I, mean, I I just um I need to to get that back from her so I can read it yes um, Tomcat reading a book about a Tomcat huh you know what I'm saying <laughs> so, uh, and and I picked up um. I got. I grabbed the alcoholic for for five bucks because. Oh, so Miles good! Had. I didn't even see you grab that. And um and uh. That's that's, that's Dino, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah I, 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 I talked about it on the. Uh, you did, yes. I, I, that's I, the one that uh, Jonathan Ames wrote, the guy who did the the, the TV show Bored to Death, right? Exactly. Correct. Yes. Yeah, exactly yeah. right. Um, and I know it was talked about on the show, which is why I wanted to grab it. And and Stumptown. So I, I picked, th- th- those yeah. are the 
those were the collections I bought. Everything else was either the free comic book stuff or, or oh, um, I picked up a lot of the. Uh, basically, it was a trip down memory lane with some of the books I left with. I, I picked up some of the um, the, the Giffen Dave Mateus Justice League America. Yes, you did. Yeah. So, some 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 penciled by Hugh, some penciled by uh, by just anybody else. It was it. I mean, well into the the twenties and thirties. I'm talking about not 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 the real early stuff when pre breakdowns and mm-hmm. but but post um actually right around when Despero was was uh, coming back and kicking ass. I mean, you mean Despero? Yeah. One more, buddy. You're out. Magneto, and you're gone, dude. That's all Vince. No, why would you make him say it right? The thing is to make him say oh, it wrong. Well, and since uh, since we're go- David, I don't know if you saw that I got something that would warm your heart. I got the uh, second hardcover of Mage. Mm. The the second the hero the, the second image. You know the hardcovers the image just put out. Because okay. I had talked, you know, I had, as you know, I read I read all the Mage recently and talked about yep. it on the show. But but I had the first image hardcover, and I didn't have the second one, so I got that. I actually got the Rising Stars uh, Omnibus, which I have I haven't read ever, but I heard it's really good. It, so the I'm first for- the, the first like six issues. Oh damn! And then and then it goes it, then it goes off the rails quickly. You'll huh. you'll see the you'll see the point. You like you'll start reading Rising Stars, and you'll think it's and I don't know because I read it when it came out in issues. But like the first couple issues, you'll be like, "Holy shit, this is amazing!" I mean, it's it's very much the heroes. You know, mm-hmm. heroes borrowed a lot from it. It's just like you know, something uh, an event happens, people get you know, these kids get powers, like blah, blah blah. And but you, when you're reading it, you're like, oh my god, JMS is amazing. You know, this art is amazing. Everything is great. And then it gets somewhere like around issue six or seven, and then it just go. It, it's not bad, but you, it just like loses so that you're, magic. You're telling so. me they have six good issues and thirty three wasted issues in this book. Yes, <laughs> great. Yeah. But I'm, I'm curious to yeah. see what you'll see because I haven't oh. I haven't read it since the issues. But, uh, but maybe um, I'm wrong. But yeah. So. The, the interesting, I, I did pick up a bunch of Star Wars uh, omnibuses and trades for for my oldest son because he's just like going gaga over uh, Star Wars comics now. So he was giddy, and then I wanted to get um, my my middle son uh, Jackson something, and I kept asking like, "What do you? What kind of comics do you want, Daddy, to bring you home?" And he really wanted the Adventure Time book, so I got him that, which he was giddy about. But he he couldn't really think of anything else specifically that he wanted to. So I was kind of scrambling to what to get him, and then. Dave and I were kind of just walking around chit-chatting, and uh, we we saw Matthew Petz, who some people may resem- remember was one of the uh, the Zuda winners, you know, back before DC shuttered Zuda, oh, and yeah. he was the winner because of a book called War of the Woods, and I, I remember hearing about it, but I didn't admittedly read it when it was uh, online. But the cover of he had a, he was at the con, and he had a uh, he's a collected edition of it now, and the, on the cover uh, is a um, an otter with a turtle on his head. And that may seem obscure, but what's baffling as to me is, yeah, as a helmet. What's baffling to me is is my my middle son is uh, who's six, still uh, he sleeps with some stuffed animals, and two of his stuffed animals are a sea otter and a turtle. And so I was like, huh? What so are the chances? I, yeah, crazy, right? So I bought this for him and brought it home, and he has just he's read it twice already. He's giddy. He came downstairs after they bought it for him with a otter. And he had the turtle on the otter's head, so we took a picture of it. <laughs> so to Matt, Matt looks exactly like the cover, and uh, and it was great. And and Matt was a suit Matthew. I'm sorry, I, I'm, I'm, uh, much as people David hates to be called Dave Matthew, I think he likes to be called Matthew. But um, Matthew was a super cool guy, and he actually um, he drew um, he drew a kickass Hulk on my Avengers jam piece as yeah, we got it too. So um, and then Vince, cool. the the most interesting thing I bought um, is the boys have been loving the Thundercats cartoon. You know, we're watching it together. Right. So uh, I found a, a Wildstorm 
uh, six-issue series that came out in 2002 called uh, Thundercats The Return. Right. And do you know who drew it? Yes, but I can't think of it right now. Ed um, Bennis. Right. It's, it's kind of sexy. Did you? It did you, is. Yeah. It is. But I will say, though, like, it's, I mean, it's just, it's pretty impressive. Like, I mean, it, it um, you know, because the new cartoon is much different than the cartoon that we had as kids, you know? And this, obviously, this book, since it was 2002, is more akin to the older well, uh, Thundercats. But the premise is kind of interesting. I guess it's that, um, that Lion-O, like, at the end of the cartoon, things are kind of happy. They have a happy ending. And uh, not that kind of happy ending, but a yeah. happy and uh, Lionel goes into the Book of Omens to train, sort of like you know Luke becoming you know a Jedi. It's like he goes into to refine because things are good. But he, while he's in the Book of Omens, time is supposed to stand still, but it doesn't stand still as it turns out because Mumra does a little mojo. So he's in there for five years, and when he comes out, uh, Mumra's won because in his absence he's won, and uh, and he's he's basically taken over Thundera. And so it's it's Lionel having to come back now as a as a fully grown kick ass king. But with not really anybody to to be in charge of having to fight Mumra, who's now in control of, of the planet. But uh, that actually say, sounds man, great. It actually is. Really, we are the first two issues tonight before uh, I put them to bed, and it was a blast. And I have to say, Ed Bennis, man. I mean, I know he's been around a long time, but um, probably the first time I remember here, seeing him was in, uh, or at least noticing him was Birds of Prey. Right. And uh, and and this is uh, it's good stuff. Like you said, I mean, the women are. You know, cat or human are, are very voluptuous, but uh, but it's it's very evocative of the original cartoon in terms of the the images. So it's it's for those of you who are clamoring for Thundercats because you're digging the new cartoon, and I know there are a lot of people out there who are. Um, I'm imagining you can pick this book up in the bins cheaply. I mean, I like I said, I got them all six of them for fifty cents a piece, and I'm, I got to imagine that they're not uh, hard to come by. You know, so yeah, I'm a bit disappointed. In what Thundercats and no pussy joke? What's wrong? Oh damn! Well, cause see, I'm talking about my kids right now. Exactly. Like, oh, okay. On my mind, dude. Sorry. Jeez. <laughs> All right. So we gonna do this? We going in? So let's do it. Forty-five right. minutes later. <laughs> <laughs> I love your show, Ron. You listen it. to our show, don't you? I mean, I know, I know. It's great. It's, a, it's I, a, I got a good ten minutes until I start getting all crackly. I do. Got, I do got to. Yeah, sure. I do got to give you guys credit though that that I did. Li- I I've started to branch out, listen to more than just comics podcasts. I've listened to some comedy podcasts, stuff like that. And I do. Gotta, and I was listening to one tech podcast, and um, the the hosts went, I think, forty minutes before they even introduced themselves. Nice. Nicely done. And I and I was wow. just like, oh, I'm like, I never listen to this one again. Like it was just, oh, it was just, I, and the whole show was only an hour and twenty minutes, and like the whole content was like nothing. It was just like them talking about what, that Mad Men, and like I'm like, this isn't why I listen to this podcast. Good, good night. So anyway, <laughs> love you guys. Anyway. Good day well, to you, sir. <laughs> you know, I think uh, I think we have uh, we're sufficiently delusional enough to know that uh, we don't. We don't do this podcast for anyone but ourselves. So I guess yeah. That yeah. for some reason, <laughs> lots of people well, like to listen to it. I, I've never quite figured that out. But there's something See, empowering a, to that, though. Like you're not you're not living to anybody else's expectations. You're doing what you want to do. Like, <laughs> right. But it, it's a paradox because we approach the show with with no reservations. We just sit down and do it. But you, what comes across as unprofessionalism to some people endears us to other people because sure. they, they they like that rawness and i think it's the rawness that that is our show we, we're, we're we're raw but, but what's un- interesting unchained. what's interesting though and that what i've experienced with ifanboy and i'm sure you guys have experienced with the little world with the world that you've created around 11 o'clock <laughs> you were right the first time yeah, <laughs> the world, yeah. but um but uh Insane, you guys tiny t- world 
um, <laughs> the, the the listeners and the folks that you you know that the, you know the guys on the boards and stuff like that. They even though you know they take you for all your faults or whatever or the, you know that 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 kind of thing. They then take a sense of ownership around what you do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And there are expectations. It always cracks me up whenever we do Believe a show. Me, there like, are a million people that listen to iFanboy and listen yeah. to us and will be listening to this episode upset that you're on the show. <laughs> I know. Probably. Yeah, exactly. It's all right. But what I love, what I love is like, it's because our show is based around, you know, our, the pick of the week. And one of us picks the book that we enjoy the best. And I love reading the comments when they're like, you're wrong. <laughs> It's like, well, no. You know you're going to get a lot of those this week because you didn't yeah, pick yeah. that. Sure. <laughs> just, like, just, I just love it when people just tell me that my opinion is wrong and that my, my feelings about a book are wrong. And that like, and it's just like, oh, and it like cracks me up, like especially talking about X-Force. Like I don't know how you guys feel. Like I, I loved Greg – I love Greg Tahini. I thought – and I thought that un, that other worlds – Yeah, it, it, it fit on that storyline. Absolutely. Yeah, totally. Yeah. But, but, but it's but, not – admittedly, it's not for everybody. And like to sure. the venom that Greg Tahini gets on iFanboy on the site were, for some of the Comments like I don't talk to remember about it. He's just like I don't. He's like this. This guy is bleeding genius on the page, and they and and people aren't enjoying it. He's like I don't get it, and I was like I don't. I don't. You know, opinions are fickle, but it's funny how people take ownership of. It our is. Opinions. I mean, you know, I mean, Ron, you know, I have like mine with this. So I'm, I love, I love uh, that book, and and obviously I'm a huge Remender fan, um, as are Vince and David, frankly. But but um, I have to say I, I do think. Uh, you know, I think Tokini with Last Days of American Crime blew my mind. Yep. You know, I don't know that I, I'm. I don't think he's blowing my mind in this book, but I think he's perfectly fine. Like, I, I to to date, I still think Opeña is the man in this. You know, yeah, yeah, I mean, totally. Um, kind of, I feel like it's his book, but but at the same point in time, I mean, Remender's been pretty pretty blessed with the the people he's had on his books all around. I mean, you know, to have guys like Albuquerque and Tokini do fill in arcs is like pretty insane. Yeah, you know, like exactly. <laughs> so. And Lord Lord knows that there were some there were some rough points in that run where like let's not forget that the the Billy Tan issue or the um. Or, or yeah. which which was really bad, and or the Mark Brooks issues, which weren't bad, but were very uh, workman. Um, they weren't, yeah, you know, like, not John yeah. Workman, but workman. Yeah, like. not John Work, but you know, the very you know yeoman, you know, like not, yeah. there's nothing wrong with that, but like yeah, but uh, Alpania, and that's why I was interested with it. Twenty five, which came out this week. I don't know if you read it yet, Jason or not, but no. McCone, like Mike McCone, like I'm used to him on Spider Man and stuff like that. He tweaked his style a little bit to fit into Fall in Line with the look of X Force, and it worked. Okay, nice. Yeah, yeah. So. I'll Speaking be of X Factor, before I know Vince is dying to dive into our main topic, but sorry, yes, sorry. Um, so in addition to the uh, to the uh, Alan Davis page, I also received in the mail this past week, and David's already heard the story in person. Um, I received a commission from an artist who I may or may not name, but um, I had commissioned <laughs> him to do a X a uh, an Uncanny X Force uh, team commission for me. And um, first of all, let me say that the commission, I very much think the commission's terrific. It looks beautiful. Uh, and it's uh, its a full team. No complaints. But I'm waiting for it to get in. The, he, he had sent me a scan of it, and, you know, I, I, so it looks good. And he mailed it out. Excuse me. So I get it last week. You know, I pull it out of the package on Ravel, get ready to uh, take a gander. And as I'm looking at it, like the first thing that catches my eye is the uh, uh, Warren Worthington is, in his archangel form is is – Kind of in the the top of the of the scene with his wing spread, and over by his his left wing is like this humongous looks like blotch like like stain or blemish you know on the page. So I'm like, oh man, what's this? So I, I pull it out and I look at it closer, and this guy who was doing my commission must have like been working at his draft table and gotten a phone call and needed to like jot down somebody's phone number. So- <laughs> So on my commission, he writes down some random phone number and then like 
doesn't really bother to like remove it and white it out or anything. He just like hastily erases it. So I have this humongous phone number, like smudged phone number on my commission. Can you make out the numbers? You totally should. Yeah, call absolutely. It. Call <laughs> it, man. Call it, dude. Call I it. Should, what are you right? lose? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, sorry, wrong number. You know. <laughs> but how baffling is that, right? Like that is brilliant. Is scrap paper. I mean, Jesus. <laughs> that would endear me to the artist. It would. Well, there you go. Because it's it's just like a, a f you. I, I I just need to get this down right now. Yeah, I know. It's I, real world. I love that stuff. <laughs> I you, you know what? It, I would like a coffee ring. Like he put his cup right down on the art and had to go. You know, that'd be cool too. What's funny is because Paolo, I told Paolo the story, and he said that uh, you wouldn't believe the number of pages he can't list on the website because guys send them to him and they have coffee stains, food stains. <laughs> he's like, he, you know, these people are just like they're animals. Like they don't sell them to me. I'll take them for half price. That's what I said, actually. <laughs> uh, so all right, I, let me look at the clock on the wall and see if it, what, what time we're at here because I don't want to get all shitty. I got about ten minutes before I start breaking up. So keep rolling. Well, let's, let's stretch that baby out. You want to give Ron a chance to? Uh, I sure do. Let's do that. Yeah, yeah. Can I? Can I? I'm here with a. I'm here with a purpose. Um, That's right. We, we would have <laughs> had you on anyway, but it's just it's good. Timing. No, I know. Yes, it's, it's good it's, timing. It's good timing because I wanted to because I wanted to uh, sp- help spread the word about the this crazy thing that I'm doing with some friends of mine um, called Morrison Con, and I'm sure yeah. you guys you guys as as convention goers probably would have lots of questions and be curious as our reasons and motivations. So really, like I just kind of want to throw myself to the wolves and let you guys like attack me and and ask whatever questions you want and, sure. I'll, and well, I'll give you totally 100% honest straight answers. Well, let's uh, start with with yeah. with just quick I mean for those that are listeners that don't already know what what uh it's you and and James Syme and is it his wife or girlfriend or his, yeah, his partner, yeah, okay, his partner. Kirsten Baldock, yeah. And 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 Grant Morrison and his wife is it Kristen? Kirsten? Yep. Kristen. Kristen. Yeah. Kristen. So talk a bit about how this came to be because obviously I mean again we we know you I know you well personally as a friend but but a lot of people are probably thinking like how the hell did like James Simon and Ron Richards end up hooking up with with Grant Morrison. So so take us back to sort of like the impetus of the con. Yeah, well I mean like this is this has been in the works for at least 2 years. Um, if not, maybe a little more. Um, so, so long story short, um, when I moved to San Francisco in 07, I started shopping at Isotope Comics, which is run by James and Kirsten. They've been running it since 01 or something like that. It's been like 11 years or something like that. Um, best shop in San Francisco, best shop in California, best shop in the world. Um, (laughs) but, um, and great. And they're, they, they become friends of mine and, and we hang out and stuff like that. And in 2008, I went to a, um, a music, uh, festival up in the Catskills. Um, it was. It's called All Tomorrow's Party, and it was. Um, it's organized by people from the UK, and it was. They started doing it in the late nineties, and it was. Yeah, Britpop. There you go, Vince. You can check off Britpop off the bingo street card. <laughs> All right, um, as long as you don't say the M word. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, <laughs> but um, but it was uh, basically they organized it in reaction to a music festival in England called Glastonbury, which is I don't know if you've ever heard of the Glastonbury Festival, but it's every mm-hmm. summer and like two hundred thousand people are there, and like you've probably seen shots of like Blur and Oasis playing in front of the sea of people, very like Live Aid. Remember Live Aid in the eighties? Sure, like, of course. Yeah, yeah and. Yeah, and so it, uh, Geldof. Yeah, Geldof, so um, um, so uh, and they they would go to it, and you see these bands, and it's like a million degrees, and there's all these people, and the sta- if you you know if you're, unless you're a VIP, the stage is all the way far away, and the audio the the sound sucks, and these guys were like, you know, this kind of sucks, so let's do something different. 
So what they did was they would um, they organized a music festival that would take place in one location for a weekend. They found one band to like uh, headline it, or as they say, you know, help them curate it. And that the headlining band, as well as the organizers, would then pick the other bands, and there'd be like kind of like a theme of like some sort of tying kind of like um, tying concept that tied all the bands together, and they would limit the number of people who could go. So they did this for years in England, and then they finally in 08, they came over to New York. And the band that was headlining was My Bloody Valentine, which um, for people who are into music know was a legendary indie uh, noise pop kind of uh, band, a lot of distortion, very kind of you – guys, you guys would probably hate it if I played it for you. Vince might like it, but you guys might hate it. Um, but yeah, I'm anyway. not, I must uh, – full, full, full disclosure, I'm, I'm not – tremendously a fan of that group in particular yeah. but go oh, ahead oh they're amazing amazing <laughs> but anyway so um and they, they, anything and they that's broke... qualified as noise pop is not, yeah. <laughs> I struggle so with good but anyway that's a whole other conversation oh, yes but so they, they broke up in the early 90s and um and so they got back together and their first show in 16 years in the united states was going to be this festival and what they did was they got uh, kutcher's resort in the catskill mountains of, of new york which is the resort that uh dirty dancing was both based on and say, fil- filmed at in the corner exactly so and they limited they limited the tickets to 3000 people and part of your ticket was you got a room at the resort at the at the at the resort upstate and you got to go to all the shows uh, and there like like 20 bands played and it was friday saturday sunday and it was honestly one of the best weekends of my life because it was just a weekend dedicated to music, to the celebration of music. I saw all these amazing bands. I saw Dinosaur Jr. I saw the Meat Puppets. Ooh. I saw Thurston Moore. Yeah, I mean, it's Damn. like the, the lineup was amazing. It was amazing. Um, and then it, and it culminated with My Bloody Valentine. It was just, I never forgot about it. And so that's 2008. So then fast forward to like 2010 or something like that. And we're sitting around at the shop and we're talking about Comic Cons and we're talking about how crazy San Diego is. And I'm telling them about this All Tomorrow's Party thing. I'm like, wouldn't it be great if, Somebody did something different for a Comic-Con that was more smaller and more intimate. And part of it also, because I don't know how, if you guys know, but um, when, when WonderCon used to be in San Francisco, as well as throughout the year, James and Kirsten will, ha- will instead of doing signings at their shop, like on a Saturday afternoon, instead of having Mark Wade come and sit behind a table and everyone lines up and he signs books and that's it, what they do is they throw parties. So, uh, for example, uh, dangerous for your wallet, as exhibited by the Frank Quitely uh, party. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, 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 yeah. So, two WonderCons ago, Frank Quitely was in as the special guest, and it was a you know party started at eight and went till four in the morning, and and then Frank Quitely was just hanging out, and you know you could just go talk to him. He'd sign stuff. He, you know, everybody got to meet him. He was also selling original art. I got a little drunk and bought a page, but anyway, um, one of the best pages of yeah. all the entire Morrison New X Men run that might have. Yeah, it really. It's the it's the page where um when Gene walks in on Scott and Emma and Emma's in the Phoenix costume. Oh, so good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but um, jealousy right now. But yeah, so so they throw these parties and the and everyone talks about how amazing these parties are and 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 they're great because it's it's taking the idea of a signing and doing something different with it. So I was saying, oh, because somebody took like kind of what you do at your parties, but also but look a con and whatever. And James just looked at me and he was just like Grant Morrison. And I was like, what do you mean? He's like, we should, you know, we should do this and we should get Grant. And now James has done in stores with Grant. Uh, he had done an in store years ago. So he, he was friendly with Grant and Kristen. Um, and Grant actually did when he was promoting Super Gods, did a, did an in store, um, at Isotope last August. Um, but we reached out to them and we told them, we said, listen, we, we know we're thinking we want to do a con that would be, Basically, I don't. I don't want to shit on San Diego or New York or anything like that because those are great for what they are. But 
we want to turn it upside down and say, okay, well, what if it's just, you know, no more than a thousand people, a thousand attendees? And what if it's just 10 guests? And what if we have one guest who's our, you know, co-curator and he helps us pick the other guests and we pick guests that he's worked with that um, are inspired by him, that he's inspired by, and we just focus it on comics and we get rid of the exhibitors, we get rid of the dealers, we get rid of the commerce and just focus on the ideas and have a really cool weekend that like, basically would be unforgettable. It would be once in a lifetime kind of a gathering of people and a celebration of comics and Grant and Kristen and uh, his wife Kristen looked at us and they're like yes we're on board awesome and like one of the ideas that we had was like because we were we're pitching them we're pitching the idea and we're like for you know for example like what if you know what if there was a panel with Grant and Jonathan Hickman and the title of the panel is splitting the atom (laughs) and Grant's eyes lit up and he's just like I like it right (laughs) like and and I don't know what that means Vince is booking his ticket to Vegas right now yeah, exactly. But um, and so all your fuzzy, just like you like work. But anyway, but so yeah, so once Grant and Kristen were on board, we're like, all right, yeah, let's do it. So then, then we're trying to figure out, okay, what are we going to do? Are we going to do it in San Francisco? Are we going to do it at Isotope? Blah blah blah. And then I was looking at all the cons, and I I turned to James Kirsten. I was just like, you know, the only city in the country that doesn't have a con, a major con, is Vegas. And considering what we're trying to do, like the, the, it felt kind of right. And so then we started looking at hotels, and, and my idea was that we find a hotel that we can invade and take over for a weekend, a hotel that will give us you know conference room space, give us hotel rooms, and everybody can move in. And from Friday to Sunday, it's going to be – we're going to dominate and and just kind of have this great – like almost like a field trip or like a summer camp kind of experience. And so that is MorrisonCon. So it's going to be September 28th to the 30th in Vegas at the Hard Rock Hotel, um, and tickets just went on sale yesterday. So uh, – Yes, yeah, so that's the story, I guess. So I don't know if you guys have very, any questions. Very, very excited. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Also, too, I should throw out there that for, for people who are listening but aren't frequenters to our forum, um, yes. P- Peter Rios, who actually is uh, – well, he, he was once one of the well the founders and hosts of Comic Geek Speak. He's retired, at least for now, from that. But uh, but he he is uh, mutual friends with our good friend Julian Lytle, and Julian is a um, – Aside from being an awesome uh, artist and great guy who we're buddies with, Julian is probably the biggest uh, or one of the biggest Morrison fans on the earth. Which I didn't know. What's that? I had no idea about that. Oh, yeah, yeah. And so Peter kind of came up with an idea on Twitter with some other guys. They were just how much fun it would be to send Julian to MorrisonCon because Julian, uh, you know, he's not exactly making mad loot. And uh, he's sort of in the starving artist category, so this would be a perfect con for him. But but he really probably wouldn't on his own have the finances. So so Peter put together a little bit of pledge drive. Think of it like a Kickstarter, uh, I guess, but not on Kickstarter. Um, and uh, it's going pretty well, from what I understand. I I talked to Peter uh, briefly yesterday, and it looks like um, it's going to happen. So if anyone oh, listens, yeah, it's, it's totally happened. They, 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 yeah, and they, I know Ron, you and and the other promoters have have also agreed to knock some money off of Julian's ticket yeah, no, as well. We, Oh yeah, we chipped in basically. Yeah, yeah, once yeah. I, yeah. Once I heard about it. I told James and Kirsten about it, and we're like, "Oh, we got to make this guy's dream come true." So we chi- we chipped in some money, um, and uh, Peter bought the ticket yesterday when tickets went on sale. So yeah. Julian has has a right. badge and room, and I guess now they're raising for the travel and that sort of Correct. stuff. Correct. So that's what I was going to yeah. say. I mean, if you if 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 you're not if you don't go to the forums, that you can um, you can. Um, 
contact us, you know, either through email or you hop on the forums just for this. But but we have uh, contact information if you want to go ahead and help out. And again, no one ha- no one has to feel obligated. This is obviously just something nice to do. If you don't know Julian, you probably don't feel compelled to do it. But uh, it's going to be fun. And, and I know at least a, a couple guys from our crew are definitely going to be there. And uh, so, you know, at a minimum, one of them will, you know, share a room with them and stuff. So uh, it's pretty cool. It's um, it's look, dude. I mean, this is like you said. This is a con that's uh, unlike anything else. I think one of the questions people have, at least from some of the initial dialogue I've seen, is, um, you know, the idea of a thousand people is very intimate relative to a regular con. But it also begs the question of, you know, a thousand people in like one con room is still a decent size, like, uh, like panel, right? And so, yeah. What's going to be the the like during the course of the day? I mean, is it going to be like? Each of these guys sitting at a like a, effectively an artist alley table shooting the shit, or is it going to be like, are they going to be playing roulette, or like is it only you know, like what's the what's the what's the interactivity going to be like? You know what I mean? Like, well, yeah, what's the- well, that, yeah, and that's and 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 I should mention I failed to mention who the other guests are. So we've announced we've announced um, seven total guests. So including Grant, it's going to be um, uh, it's going to be Chris Burnham who works at Grant on Batman Incorporated, and we know Burnham for years, right? J.H. Cool. Um, Williams the third. Uh, Frank Quitely, Jonathan Hickman, uh, Gerard Way, and Jim Lee. So those are our first seven I, guests. So you, oh, I thought I made that clear. You have to you have to name the other three, or you you weren't allowed to come up. To <laughs> <laughs> so let me just say that the other the other three will not uh, disappoint. Absolutely. No, they won't. That is true. Yeah. But um, but yeah. So uh, yeah. So 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 in terms of how it's going to work, and I gotta I gotta you know kind of put a disclaimer or a preface in that, uh, you know, I don't know. Because <laughs> we're still we're still we're still figuring it out, and so like Candor. so yeah, so like so after the weekend, if somebody goes and like, well, you said on eleven o'clock comics that on May it would be like this, <laughs> like things are going to change between now and September. But the general idea is is that um, it's 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 not this isn't like New York, it's not like San Diego where we've got like a million panel rooms. Basically, what we've done in the hotel is we we have two huge rooms that we can do anything with that we can configure anything with. One of them is going to be configured to seat everybody. And so it's going to be like kind of like our keynote room, and that's where you know. And, and I know one thing that we de- definitely will happen is that Grant is going to do a keynote kind of speech, a Grant kind of. If you ever saw his disinformation conference oh, yeah. speech, Love yeah. It. So I'm hoping it's something along those lines. I don't know. He's working on it, you know. That's sort of, but um. So that definitely will happen. But then in the other room, what we're going to do is we're going to break it up, and we're going to have some smaller rooms. Um, and we want to have uh, individualized panels and discussions around different topics. So with Gerard Way there, I, you know, I, I, I've got to imagine there's going to be some sort of music and comics kind of uh, discussion that will happen because uh, Gerard's in My Chemical Romance. And I know the great thing is that even though we only have 10 guests – and this is what I love about what we're doing and what people don't realize. Even though we only have 10 official you know, quote-unquote guests, the Morrisons know everyone. Yeah, and so true. like the people that are coming to this – like there's going to be people just in the crowd with with you all as attendees that are like could be guests on their own and they're going to be in sitting in the panel and yeah. like they might participate like the, the surprises that are going to happen at this thing are going to be crazy but um what's really interesting is um as someone who and you know Ron you and I are or buddies and I think that we we are, we have similar interests you know for me going to Vegas is like very common um, I go to Vegas a lot in fact I'll, I'll 
been there already twice this year. I'll be there in June. Um, but I do have to think, just like I'm a sports fan, like there are certain comp- aspects of my life where like, there's not a lot of overlap. And I would say that generally people that go to comic book conventions are not the same people I would say are apt to like tear it up in a weekend in Vegas. Like that's not like that's not, I think, typical. Now, obviously, the people coming to like a Morrison Con are also going to be sort of atypical. So I'm kind of fascinated by what that dynamic's going to be like, right? Like, like, um, you know, because. Like, are people going to be, you know, are we going to all go to, like, um, are we going to go to, like, uh, you know, are we going to be at the Spearmint Rhino on Saturday night together? Like, what we're doing is, I mean, like, we're going to, um, you know, we'll have the programming throughout the day. Like, it'll be the whole day, like the con. But then the Friday night and the Saturday night, we're, we we have the nightclub and the hard rock um, to use all night. So we're basically just going to throw a, a, a an awesome party. Um, and Grant's going to DJ. We're gonna we're gonna get some other kind of guest DJs. I'm sure I'm gonna DJ at some point. Like we're gonna get like it's gonna so be let's make sure that's late in the night. Yeah, <laughs> but um, <laughs> there'll be lots of Morrissey. Sorry, Vince. Um, you, but you uh, said the word. <laughs> <laughs> no, but but the idea is the idea is to kind of take the isotope party idea and bring it to the con as well at night. Um, if you if you want to go, you know, off and experience Vegas, that's fine. But kind of the idea is that we every um, the the concept is that everyone's going to come, and that's why the tickets are so expensive. That's why a lot of people have kind of ne- reacted negatively because like the the single person ticket is six, is seven hundred dollars, and that's, right, well, that's let's a, talk about that because because I expensive. mean. <laughs> let's, 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 well, let's explain that that gets them two nights at stay at the Hard Rock Hotel. Two nights, two nights in the hotel uh, of a hotel room, in which, by the way, and Jason, you can attest this by being in Vegas. It's a baller hotel. Like oh, absolutely, when they, yeah, it's a lot of fun. They, absolutely. When they were giving me, when they were giving me the specs of the rooms, and I, I was just in Vegas last week, and I did a walkthrough, like. Because uh, when you book the ticket, you got to choose whether you want, you know, like if if you're gonna have two people in the room, you need two beds, or do you want a king size bed? Or whatever. So I was like, what are the room types? And they sent me, they're like, oh, well, the rooms have queen and king king size beds. And I was like, okay, are there no double beds? Like, what happens if so there are two people that want a room or whatever? They're like, no, there are two queens in those rooms and doubles. Right. I was gonna say, I mean, one so, thing that's for people that have gone to cons in like again San Diego or New York, and you stay at a hotel. I mean, you know, these are in Vegas. One of the cool things about Vegas is that hotels are, you know, ornate and 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 have big rooms because yeah. they have plenty of space. You know, there's no there's no lack of space. So. Yeah, and, and they've um and they we've got and we got we negotiated a great rate that makes this possible. And also when you when you book your ticket, you get to choose whether you want the pool a poolside view or a mountain view. Like it's oh. like stuff like that that's never happened at a con before. I've never gone to a I've never gone to San Diego. Nobody's asked me what kind of view do I want for my hotel room. That's mm-hmm. what I mean. It's amazing, but um. But yeah, so so it's seven hundred bucks for one person, or it's ten ninety nine for two people. Which really, if you do the math on that, if two people go and split the cost, that's only five fifty a person. Yep. Which, considering that's including two nights at the hotel room, it makes the con, you know, uh, pr- priced about the same as San Diego, if not a little less. Right. So, and that's what I was going to say. I mean, people obviously need to. It, it's. It, I, I can see your point when you go to Morrison Con website. It, you know, the ticket seems like oh, but it's it's. Again, you need to read the fine print in the sense that you're you're paying for the two ho- the nights at the hotel as well. So yeah, so you have two um, nights at the hotel. So the idea is that everyone's going to move into the hotel. You stay there. We'll party till whatever night. You just stumble up to your room, and then the next day, Sunday, we're gonna Sunday we're giving um we're we're providing breakfast to everyone as part of the ticket. And Burnham's um, gonna sketch me a bunch of cool pictures. Yeah, and Chris Burnham's gonna it's gonna be Chris Burnham's uh, Sunday hangover breakfast and sketch jam. Yes, sir. Yeah. <laughs> and, Jason, that, and, that, and that's no, the no fool around. Are you going? Uh, I mean, I I would say there's a you know eighty five to ninety percent chance I'm going. I mean, I, I I very much am planning on going, but and you know I I have to leave myself a little bit out until I clear it with the better half and all that. But but that's my plan. Jason's going. 
Jason's gone. Yeah, I mean, I, I <laughs> barring anything unforeseen in terms of you know life, big life changes, I, I that's my plan is to go. Yeah. But 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 so the, the and to get and I and, and you know David and Vince I hope I mean I know it's expensive whatever but it would be amazing if you guys could come because the idea is like I want everybody to come because this is like us as similar to how you guys you know do this podcast you do the podcast the way you want to mm-hmm. this is James and Kirsten and I saying if we threw a con this is what it would be like so like right. one of the one of the things is that like I don't I there will be no lines. I don't want to yeah. see – I'm not going to see a line. I don't want to see a lineup anywhere. What we're going to do is we're going to figure out ways to work out to get everyone to meet the creators they want to meet and organize it so that when it's your turn, one of my staff will come up and say, oh, Mr. Wood, now's your ch- opportunity to meet Mr. Hickman and we'll yes. come and introduce you. You know, like it's going to be I've like – I've had it's the pleasure be that- of meeting Hickman. Actually, thanks to you uh, before, yeah. but – yeah, yeah, but but I, but as an example, I, yes. like you want to you want to meet Jim Lee, great, we, you know, like we'll 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 make that work. And the thing is that while we can't guarantee everyone is because you said there will be you know a thousand, you know, hopefully if we sell out, there's a thousand people. If we don't sell out and only three hundred people come, only three hundred people will be there. Right. And it, yeah, but the thing is, is that what we're gonna do, we're figuring out, um, and this summer we're gonna be figuring out ways for people to buy tickets to advance reserve opportunities to meet the creators. <laughs> And for the creators that you don't get a chance because you can't meet them all, you can't, we can't advance reserve everyone because we need to make sure that we only have so much time and that sort of thing. But so let's say, you know, Jason, you're going and you sign up to meet, you know, to meet quietly and, and Jage Williams, but you really wanted to talk to Hickman, just walk up to him at the party. Wow. Or just, or just like, or also what we're going to do. Well, yeah. Is, I mean, I'm just to be clear, I, I'm not worried about that because I know that I'm going to be sitting with Grant at the VIP room. There you go. <laughs> drinking, uh, drinking Grey Goose, uh, and talking yeah. about existential, uh, creationism. But, but the rest of y'all need to figure out a way to meet these dudes. But, and, and that's the thing is that like they're going to be at there. Everyone's, everyone's down to be at the party. And like, and the other thing is that the other room, so the one room is going to be the big keynote room. The other room is going to have the smaller rooms, but the middle area is going to be open and we're going to have a bar there. And just chairs. And so, like, if you don't want to go to a panel or you don't want to see one of the things that's going on, just go have a drink and go meet other people, talk about comics. And the thing is, is that, like, there, there's one creator who we haven't announced yet, a get one of our guests who we haven't announced yet. And I was talking to him and, like, with all the creators, when I'm talking, I'm like, okay, listen, you know, really, you know, we'll, you know, we're paying, we're paying for all the creators to come out. Like, that's part of our costs, which is fine. Um, and, you know, in return, you know, they, they agree to do a certain amount of quote unquote work. And so they're, so I'm talking to them about what are they going to do and I, I said to him I'm like yeah well you know if you do like one or two panels and then maybe like one or two signings each day like we want you to have fun so I don't want to you know make you sit behind a, a desk all day signing like we want you to have a good time and mix with the fans you know so really like you kind of tell me what you want to do and this creator was just like oh no man he's like I'll, he's like just give me a table in the in the in the little nightclub area and I'll just sit there I want to meet as many fans as I can so yeah, like that's fun. the approach the creators are coming at like they want to engage so it's it's going to be very um, casual, very intimate, very. Um, you know, know what this like- reminds me of, Ron, and this may this reference may go over a lot of people who aren't in the tech world's head. But for there's enough techie crossover with geeks. This reminds me of like bar camp for comics. You know what I mean? Yep. Like. Like it's uh, which which is what intrigues me about it, you know. I mean, bar, uh, bar camp or um, TED Talk or yes, yeah, or the Web two O Summit, like all those kind of co- like this is actually a con is really not the right term for it, but we're using that because it's comics nomenclature. But it's not a convention. This is more of like a conference or a summit. Um, and the fact that we don't have dealers and like we don't, there's there's not going to be an artist alley. There's not going to be like anything like that. It's like 
it's like I said, we're, we're just trying to do something different and just change the way people approach these kind of events. Um, who knows? It could all blow up in our face. It could be awful. It could be awkward. It could be miserable. No, people will be upset. I hope not. We're going to do everything in our power to make sure everybody gets to like, oh, I will, I, I will personally, like today, today a, a mother email, emailed me because she, her daughter is a 13 year old comic fan and she's a huge Grant Morrison fan. And she said all over the website we have, you have to be 21 or older to go to the nightclub or to check in the hotel. She's like, I'm thinking of bringing my daughter, but is it going to be all adult themed, you know, or is it going to be all ages? And I wrote back to her. I'm like, no, the con itself is all ages. It just, they, she needs to have a, tw- a parent or guardian to check her into the hotel. And I said, and honestly, your daughter is the future of con- the comics generation. So if you buy a ticket, tell me you bought a ticket. I'll meet you at the con and I will personally introduce your daughter to Grant Morrison. Oh, yeah, like that. That's the kind you. of thing. Yeah, that's. The, but that, that. But I'll do that. I mean, like, I can't guarantee that for everybody. But like, that's the kind of you know. Like, you heard mush. it here first, folks. Ron <laughs> is guaranteeing every eleven o'clock comics listener who goes a chance to meet Grant Morrison for at least thirteen and a half minutes. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that. But that's that's the kind of approach that we want to take. Is that I want it to be a once in a lifetime experience. For years, people will be like, "Oh my god, I went to this thing and it was amazing, and all my comic dreams came true." So. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And it's not for everybody. I understand that. So. Yeah, and that's and and when I was telling Renee about the convention and and we we're gonna have you on, you we were gonna talk about it, and she was like, "So it's in Vegas." I said, "Yeah," and then she's like, "So you think you want to go?" And I I I do realize that it's see, I would go, I would go for the experience. I would let somebody else talk to one of the other creators that are gonna be there at, instead of me taking the time to talk to somebody who. I might not be so enamored with, and, and then give it to somebody else. I would like to go for the experience. So, in other words, you'd let me talk to Hickman. Absolutely, oh, without a doubt. And, and and you know, so it's or one of the other creators that may or may not be there. Exactly. Uh, maybe one of them, but it's it's. Um, but no, it's I. And the fact that I mean, she even thought about it or or, or thought it might be something because it, it it's in September. You said right? Yeah, in September. Right. So you know that's that that's my birthday month. So I mean I don't know. It's not not that I know that you know Jason's seriously considering it and and uh, just use the 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 uh, we should just use the um the sponsorship cash reserves to all send us all. (laughs) Dude, we use that shit. (laughs) (laughs) Oh yeah, yeah. No, I'm I'm thinking about it. I, so, and I don't. I don't know if this entices you even more, but if you go, including your ticket, and I don't want to be too salesy, but including your ticket, you get the you get the hotel room, you get to come to the con. You all, everyone will also be getting a limited edition. Yeah, no, everyone will be getting a <laughs> limited edition uh, Morrison Con exclusive version uh, copy of Happy Number One by Grant and Derek Robertson from Image Comics. So. Like, yeah. o- like you can only you'll only be able to get this comic at the con, basically. Um, and then we're also doing um, for everybody instead of like doing the program guide, like that you know the flimsy you know kind of newsprint you know what I mean kind of like with all the panels stuff like that. Right. We're doing a, we're doing a deluxe hardcover. Oh my and, god! And it's gonna have it's gonna have art from the hopefully we'll have knock on wood we're still organizing but we'll have art from the artists we'll have sections to get sketches in a bunch of surprises like it's, it'll be a real true keepsake that you can look back and put on yourself and remember like oh that was the weekend that I hung out with Grant Morrison. Jason, you want to split the room? <laughs> Dude, I mean, I told you I'm ready to do this. I mean, Damn. I'm excited. You know, you I might want to talk to your, you. Might want to talk to your walkabout buddy. I know. I was gonna who's, say, yeah, who's that? You know who's that. <laughs> Maybe his walkabout will be extended till then, so we won't have to I worry about it. I mean, Maybe he's walking to Vegas. I just, I just don't know how you and Chris are going to handle Vegas. 
I've, I've, been to Vegas, I've been to true. Vegas yeah. many times, man. You have? Yeah. What do you think? No, we, I never get out of Pennsylvania. Yeah, I've been to Vegas like 10 times. I got family there. Oh, well, that makes sense, actually. There you go. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> hey, can, can, we, can we move this on to another yeah, Morrison yeah, topic? Yeah, let's do it. Well, anyway, yeah, I was yeah. going to say, Ron, tell everyone how to, how to get to this. Uh, yeah. yeah, just go to, go to MorrisonCon.com or follow MorrisonCon on Twitter. Tickets are on sale now. They're, they're selling quickly, but we're not sold out. Um, tickets go up in price on June 15th, so if you're thinking about it, act before June 15th. Um, and we're going to be announcing the rest of the guests, I think, by June 15th. We're still figuring out exactly who they're going to be. We're getting confirmations and things like that. But um, – I know the, 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 if the, the, the last three guests end up being who we're planning to be, I'm going to be very pleased because they're all favorites of mine. So, um, it should be wow. a lot of fun. A teaser. Yeah. Love the teasers. Yeah. So, yeah. And then, then thanks. I mean, everybody, I know, I know you don't want to be sold to and that sort of thing and promoted, but I just figured you guys specifically because you love the con experience and also a lot of listeners. Um, you know, honestly, when I'm thinking about doing this, I was thinking about you guys collectively, like the 11 o'clock listeners and even my uh, fanboy you listeners. You have a lot of hardcore Morrison. Fans, sure. For sure. Yeah, but but the idea is like if we wanted to do an event that if we did a con the way we wanted to do it, what would it be? And so this is my vision of what a con. This is our vision of what a con would be, and hopefully it's one that you guys will all enjoy. So hopefully the more that can come, the merrier. Um, we're excited. It'll be you know once in a lifetime. You'll never forget it. So it's true. We are we somehow we don't capture it, but we're a com- our, our listeners are a commerce engine as exhibited yes. by the fact that uh, I think half of. Tale of Sand pages were sold by Ramon uh, at C2E2 uh, thanks uh, to uh, uh, our listeners. And I'm still waiting for that vague check to come in the, the mail, Ramon. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's do the cool. Flex Mentalo. Good timing, huh? What's yeah. That? <laughs> Wait, what's that? We we're supposed to read that? Yes, we were. <laughs> David, did you do your homework? I, I, you know what? Real quick, big, big thank you, big shout out to um, Frankie DeJesus, Frankie the Dillinator, nice. for, uh, for loaning me his copy, and uh, so I was also able to uh, participate in the conversation. Yes, there we go. Nice. nice. Let's do this. Well, Jason teased last week that we were going to jump into Flex Mentallo, and uh, that's exactly what we're going to do. Now, there, there's a little bit of a, a legend around Flex Mentallo because it was originally published in what? Uh, 96, right? Yeah, 96. As, as a four-issue miniseries out of the Vertigo, and then it, it, it was, I don't believe it was ever collected, right? Because they were worried about uh, Charles Atlas lawsuits. Well, right, and they- worried. Well, I, I have a story that's related to that. Oh, so, cool. so the Flex Mentallo, um character was, you know, some loosely based on the Charles Atlas, you know, kind of ads and comics. <laughs> loosely, <laughs> loosely. <laughs> whatever. I'm saying that with air quotes. Um, and what happened was is that uh, the Charles Atlas people got tipped off to it. They didn't know it existed. Um, they got notified and they slapped DC with a lawsuit. And that's what kept it from ever being reprinted or ever being collected again. And it was this whole big ordeal. The way Charles Atlas got tipped off by it, a dude that shops at my shop in San Francisco at, at Isotope wrote to them and was like, hey, this great comic book is out that's, that's you know about your legacy. You might want to check it out. And that's what triggered the whole lawsuit and everything. Wow. I'm friends with crazy. the guy who who caused Flex Mentality to get shelved. Like, isn't that crazy? But, I'm but never it's, gonna it's, look at James Simon the same again. No, it's not James. It's <laughs> not I'm James. kidding. I'm <laughs> kidding. It's, it's one of the guys who shops there, who's an enormous Grant fan, an enormous Quietly fan, and like and like it kind of blew. And and there's actually a nod to him in New X Men. Um, uh, Quietly drew a little something that like kind of is like suggestive of him. Um, and it's you know it's it's funny. It's a funny legacy that that guy has. 
Yeah. Well, <laughs> conceptually, it's perfect. I mean, the story yeah. meshes with the actual narrative of Flex Mentality because the the series lapsed into obscurity. It was never collected until recently when DC published a nice four issue hardcover uh, of the the miniseries. But that's cool because thematically the hero going away lapsing into limbo and then coming back uh under certain circumstances is kind of one of the threads that that trails through the miniseries yeah so absolutely. so grant probably appreciate it. He, grant would say that uh it, it went away for a reason right <laughs> um, his accountant might disagree with you but okay <laughs> <laughs> All right, and um, I'm not going to sum it up because there is no summing up flex mentality. But what I think it is, um, it, it, it's a deeply stratified work of something that I like to call a fictionalized nonfiction. And and I threw those two words together while writing this introduction, and I, I thought, well, let me see if this actually exists. And and I googled fictionalized nonfiction, and other people have used those two words in tandem with uh, stuff like memories of a geisha, uh, and 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 what that is is. There are the the majority of the work is is obviously fiction, but it's peppered with little bits of of nonfiction, uh, real world events and and people and situations that 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 bring it out of the realm of a completely fictional narrative and and merge to create something entirely different. And uh, the deeper one plunges into the various layers of this thing. It's it's amazing. The more conceptual the work becomes, and and uh, by the fourth issue, it reaches this zero point where where fiction is indistinguishable from nonfiction. It, it's it's insane. Um, but the landscape of Flex Mentallo is, and I have to tip my stinky old hat to uh, Mr. David Faust because he nudged me in this direction when 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 uh, I told him we were going to do Flex. Uh, we, we meet on all subjects, Morrison often. We talk about him a lot and his works a lot. And, and if you ever want to experience the work of the number one Morrison scholar in the entire universe, it's David Faust. Based his thesis on Grant Morrison stuff, he just loves his work and he devours it and spits out, he's like Grant, he spits out these concepts that just make me look at the work in, in a different light. What Flex Mentallo is, the landscape of the story, is psychogeography of the mind of Grant Morrison. And what psychogeography is, it's not a science, although they, they call it a collection of theories. And if that's not a science, I don't know what is. But they, they, they're specific in, in not calling it a science. But they, the believers of this profess that the geographical environment in, in which humans reside has a profound effect on their thought processes on their emotions and on their behavior uh and ron mentioned at the beginning of the show when we weren't recording that he just recently moved into a new new digs right yep. that that's psychogeography in action because uh as you progress through the landscape say on your way to work you pass the same landmarks every day you probably take the same route every day right now you're in a different environment you cannot deny that your thought processes are different in respect to your new 
environment. I mean, it's it, it happens. It's inevitable. Uh, different surroundings trigger different stimulus, stimuli. Uh, new surroundings invigorate the mind. So uh, I took it a little step further and and used the psychogeography in relation to Morrison's mind itself. Now, he's invested his knowledge and his life experiences in, into certain fictional areas right and we we can map out the boundaries of, of these uh areas like physical cities we know the limits of flex mentality it's a four issue miniseries right we, we we experience the beginning the middle and the end the limits of this miniseries are available to us we know all of the invisibles batman r.i.p right and i see his various works of fiction slash non-fiction as actual areas i mean they originate from his mind right so one can say that you can attribute certain geographical if you will sections of his mind to these works and and you can wander through these locales sometimes you can go through a traditional pathway and read it on, on the surface level as you can with flex i mean it works on the surface right and other times you can make an intentional turn down an avenue you've never traversed because his work allows for both. But here's the cool part. Like physical cities, there are things that connect these various works. There, there's, there's links that are akin to bridges, roads, like highways and byways, albeit conceptual, that connect these fictional locales through flex mentality you can wander through the invisibles there's a definite link from flex mentality to the invisibles and and from there you can wade into final crisis and through 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 that story you can wander through batman r.i.p and animal man there are things about his work that are repeated they're landmarks how about that in in his work that one can see while in the vicinity of another work, while you're reading Flex Mentality, you can see parts of the invisibles. They share a common thread in, in certain situations and, and so on. Um, more, more on that in, in a bit, but let's start small and, and we'll snowball, right? The surface layer of Flex Mentality. What does one glean from, from a cursory read of Flex Mentality? What the hell is it about, right? Uh, it begins with a big bang literally a big bang the, the creation of, of a universe you you have this faculty x agent throwing a bomb right in the lap of the reader boom it goes off and then we see a whole universe forming spiraling and, and it's it's uh spiraling and all all the the, the matter is is coalescing into this universe it, and i was thinking about it. it isn't that what every author does on the first page of their books they they pull you into their reality, their universe, right? It's freaking brilliant. Um, but so we have a, the main character, and he's a famous rock star who may or may not be named Wallace Sage because it's his secret identity. That's very important in the story. Uh, and, and as a child, Wallace dreamed Flex Mentalo into existence, created the character, created his own little little comic stories, drew them himself, cre uh, invested himself into uh, Flex Mentalo uh, and when you when you look at the name of Wallace Sage Sage is another word for magician wood magician <laughs> and 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 magic with a K is a science slash belief system to which we know mr. Morrison definitely subscribes
and, yeah, and that, for sure. right, and that's where where I get the the fictional fictionalized nonfiction from because Flex is in part a biography, uh, both real and imagined, of the author. Wallace Sage is Grant Morrison, uh, and, and in Super Gods, Morrison claims many of the events used to delineate the character of Wallace Sage were culled from his own life experiences. Grant calls Flex Mentallo the memoirs of an Earth to Grant Morrison. Wallace Sage is Grant Morrison had his band, the Mixers, become famous. Now that's interesting. I had no idea about that. Yeah, it's yeah, it's very uh, biographical. Uh, the the townhouse that little uh, Wallace Sage lives in, the family, the cat, the ticked off girlfriend, the comics that he creates. Grant created his own comics as a child under uh, that. You, if you look at one of the comics as it's strewn on the floor, you see Stellar Comics in the corner. Yeah, Gr that's what Grant called his comics line, Stellar oh, Comics. Okay. I mean, that, that's, uh, the, that's the one thing that I took from reading, because I, mean, I, I read Flex Metallo years ago in you know, the issues. A friend of mine had him and loaned him to me, and, and I went completely over my head, like, we're talking like early 2000s. Reading again now, knowing what I know about comics and knowing what I know about Grant, it, like, it put everything into focus. Yeah, mm -hmm. I mean, it's, it's interesting you say that, because it sounds like he just had a very different experience in that, um, you know, again, I, I've, I was probably, I guess you'd say a late bloomer to... <laughs> more but, but but that said though and and especially to quietly but but yes. then I, I feel like a sort of a a reformed prostitute in that and that now I'm almost evangelical about them both like I I mean I they're clearly two of my favorite creators of all time now which is a sea change from a decade ago yeah. when they were you know doing this book or, or or books like it and um so so for me though I had I mean I've read a tremendous amount of Morrison but this actually happened to be something I hadn't read because I didn't read it when it was coming out and then as we talked about you know you couldn't really you couldn't get the issues very easily and they didn't have a reprint so this hardcover is the first time I experienced this book and again I'm experiencing this book from a much different perspective than I as you said Ron I would have been in in 1996 for a lot of reasons not the least of which I'm now looking at this more of where does it you can't help but read something now in, in and say to yourself like where does this fit in the pantheon of of Morrison's overall career arc you know yep. which is had I read it when it was coming out I would have just thought well here's another Grant Morrison book um so and, and then to and then David I think this is the first time you're reading it too right yes Right. And, and I mean, what was your experience? Because I don't know that. I mean, I know you've sort of been, you've had mixed views of Morrison over the years. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I am not to, to to put it mildly. I guess I'm not a um, of of the four regular hosts of the show. I mean, Ron's on another level. I mean, the dude's doing a convention with the guy, but we. Um, I I'm mean, a little biased, maybe. I a little bit, a little bit, maybe. Uh, of the four of us, I think I am the um, and and. Listeners over the years, uh, there are a few writers I probably feel this way about, but I'm not. I I appreciate the man's work. I respect his work. I am. Um, I guess I just don't look at it with the same awe that that the other guys do. And um, and I, I it, there's just there's definitely a a voice I pick up on when 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 I read his work, and I I still haven't finished. The new X Men omnibus. I um, I did read Marvel Boy, which was okay. I, I think I prefer the writing over the art on that. Um, I've said my piece on on Final Crisis a few times, <laughs> but this was this was um, I I really did like this, and and I this was both the way it was written and 
the way it was I mean, visually, I, I think Frank's art was just was stunning here. And to think that this is something that, I mean, this is the same guy who, who gave us all-star Superman. Yeah. And, and I mean, and, well, I'm uh, reading that, but I, there, oh, that's, are, that's not, that's not your cup of tea. Yeah. Right. So, um, but I mean, I'm, I'm looking at this and I see something different than, you know, what I've seen recently. And, and I know, you know, styles change and, and, and he's, he's gone, I guess a little bit more digital these days than, than he did when maybe this was done over a decade ago. But I, the art, I just keep getting sucked in panel by panel. As I turn the page, I keep going back just to take a look, you know, the, 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 the way the clothes hang off and, and the costumes that, that the Legion of Legions is wearing. And I mean, they're just, it's, I, I am, I keep missing what Grant's doing. What Grant's, I keep missing the story or, or what what people are saying, like the lieutenant or even Flex and things like that. Because I'm just I'm I'm sucked in to 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 quietly put down on the page, and yes. it's it's just it. Um, so I mean, so it's not. I'm not reading this going, you know, thinking that 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 it's. I this doesn't. Obviously, it's a Grant Morrison written story, but I'm not. I'm not hearing Grant as much because the art balances it out wow. nicely. I think <laughs> it's amazing, <laughs> I know. and that's and that's cool. But I mean, you know, so that's good. We all, we all take some, but I mean, but you're, but like, like, and Vince mentioned this on Twitter. You know, after reading Super Gods, it's like, see, I haven't read that yet. So sure, right? Not, yeah, I am not. I'm not picking up on threads or or looking at 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 Grant's work. His, his his tapestry of work over his career. This is right. just I'm looking at these four issues as a standalone without reading Doom Patrol, without reading anything mm-hmm. else. This is I'm cover to cover. I'm reading Flex Mentalo. I'm not and, looking at right Zeme. And well, that, I would say I, I think that, that I was gonna say I think that's a great way to look at it because and what the, and what's great about the work is that you can look at it in both directions. Is yeah, that yeah. you is that you can you can look at this. I mean Flex Mentalo in my mind and, and Vince, I don't know if you probably agree with me, but this is the the way I look at it, this is the keystone between early Grant Morrison and and modern Grant Morrison. This was this was the this was the work that bridged the gap that that between the ideas the directions he was going in early in his career with Animal Man and things like that to where he went with Invisibles with you know with ultimately leading up to Super Gods and and All right. Star Superman and the exploration and love of comics, but you can ignore all that bullshit and and ignore all the stuff that that, that the kind of Grant Morrison has a lot of baggage because a lot of people have a hard time because it's hard it's challenging to read a Grant Morrison. Yeah, comic. he definitely challenges you. Yeah. He challenges and that's, you. And, and I mean, and, they, and it hasn't it been established um, that like you can read Animal Man or Invisibles and JLA and and all the things through the years and there's like a thread connecting everything. Yes. Yeah. Right. Okay, yeah. so I mean, so yes, yeah, so, so like you were right. saying. But the, thing, but the thing is, and, that, and that's great if you want to do that, but the thing is, is that like, this is four issues self-contained that I can, I feel like I can hand to anybody, and it will challenge them, but it's not like giving them all those volumes of the of the Invisibles, right. or all, right. you know, all the, these kind of mass works, you know, now, like this is, Ron, this is a, a condensed four-issue bit of brilliance. So. You, you, called, you called this the keystone, right? Yeah. Uh, and Jason was wondering where... Flex Mentalo falls in the in the uh, the spread of of Grant Morrison's work. I, I I take it one step further. I think Flex Mentalo is the hub of yeah. Grant Morrison's work. It's at the center of everything he has yeah. written, um, and 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 all his works are rays permeating from this center, like spokes on a wheel. Uh, it, I think 
Flex is the most intensely personal thing Grant Morrison has ever written. And that's why I, I giggled when David said he doesn't hear Grant Morrison. I can't hear anything but Grant Morrison when I, when I read this. Well, it's, it's funny because I, when I read it, I, and it's the same way, I, I, can, I can understand David saying he doesn't hear Grant Morrison. And I can understand you hearing you can't hear anything but Grant Morrison because what I took away from this was what you mentioned was I, after reading this again recently when the hardcover came out, I found this to be intensely personal. Oh yeah, and intensely um, sincere and dripping with love of comic books. Oh yeah, yeah. I was going to say, yeah. like, I think that Grant, you know, and I, I'm with you. I mean, Grant Morrison. Anytime we talk Grant Morrison, there's, I can already know the uh, the the um, episode threads going to have the inevitable. Oh, I don't get that guy, or oh, I love him to death. Or, you know. <laughs> yeah. But but the thing is about Grant is is I think that um, you know, and I don't think every. I mean, I'm. I would definitely say I'm a, I'm a humongous fan of his, but I also don't think that I would say that every one of his works has resonated with me. Like I, I mean, we talk, you know, when that, I mean, I'll be honest with you. I mean, the, the last Sea Guy did nothing for me. You know, like I just didn't, it just didn't do anything for me, and that's yeah. just that's just what it is. But I love, but I really enjoyed Final Crisis, which I know puts me in the minority. Um, but I think that when <laughs> Grant is at his best, you know, like when I think it's sort of like the in air quotes Grant Morrison is when he has the you know when there's layers right and 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 the thing that Morrison does I think better than anyone and I even mean better than Alan Moore cuz I think Alan Moore is much more linear and he's I think he as you know I think he's the best writer in comics but I I think Grant when Grant's at his best he does something that even more doesn't do which is that he constructs a story and it's not just layered like you know it's not just like that there's there's a overt plot and then there's something else under it there's there's multiple layers to mm-hmm. to his work and and that's I mean as someone who who enjoys writing just just as an you know the exercise of it that is next to impossible to pull off well and yet Morrison's done it many, many times in his career, and this arguably one of the best ever. I mean, oh, yeah. because you know, again, you you have the surface area, which is which you, I think we've talked a little bit about. But then I think the next layer under that, which is that you know each of the issues is basically a treatise on a different age of comics. You know, yeah. don't get and, too far. Okay, okay. Um, well, then I was just going to say, and then there's there's the 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 deeper area beyond that, which is. Again, which speaks much more to, to Morris's own views about the world and and his own life, yeah. and so my point is, is I think there's at least three layers easily identifiable, and probably more than yeah. that in this book. You know, you know how I uh, remember the your uh, high school science manuals, where you had the uh, acetate layers of the the human body. Oh God, yeah, yes, yes, yes. Where I, I, you picture the the uh, corporeal form of flex mentala, right? You have one layer that's just bones, right? That's say it's the surface layer in reverse, right? And, and it, there are multiple layers to this thing. You got a next one, you got the circulatory system, then you got the your your organs and you got your skin, then you got your hair. I mean it's just he keeps he piled things on top of this and it just never ends. You you can literally plumb the depths of this thing knowing what you know about the man from Super Gods. That's the key. If 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 now David hasn't read Super Gods and I can see parts of this just sailing by because with without the key you can't open the door and that that uh you, there's a there's a long damn hallway once you get on the other side of that door that that allows you to to wander into all of his work and you don't really get that unless you you've read super gods or have listened to him or read an interview with him or something uh along those lines um yeah i stumbled a little here where am i going uh, all right, so uh, back on the surface level of this thing, um, 
you had the girlfriend and the family and the and the the comic books and the drugs and the aliens. Yep, there there's that one uh, thing that uh, he used to get ridiculed for that 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 aliens experience and and i i compare it to something that philip k dick experienced in 1974 where morrison had a cosmic epiphany while, while he was in kathmandu yeah. uh and, and he ex he attributed this experience to the byproduct of an alien abduction but he has since tweaked it a little bit to explain the event as a mixture of of something and nothing along the lines of an alien abduction mixed with the uh thelemic knowledge and conversation with the holy guardian angel i mean research crowley and that whole uh thelema consciousness elevating event where they profess to have a dialogue with their holy guardian angel and the angel imparts knowledge and wisdom and all this esoteric information glad we're keeping it surface level right now from <laughs> no 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 but the, the epiphany the, the, the epiphany is crucial to 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 flex mentalo because you see the epiphany in the fourth issue the 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 that that page where where wally explodes with light that's uh, his epiphany that's morrison's epiphany right there where where his his very atoms explode they're supercharged with the knowledge he gets the word right after he's he says the word yeah he's be, he's being given the mm -hmm. word which initially when i was reading it i thought it was shazam nope which would have fit but it's not shazam no. um and and he he also said it could have been temporal lower, uh, lobe epilepsy so he didn't he doesn't really know what happened but ultimately he was he has he claims to have been imparted this knowledge from somewhere and he is because of this event he sees things in a different way he he processes information in a different way and he claims to have been given a task and that task is to create these one of the tasks is to create these fictional worlds and impart what he has learned to us and and there's a much more detailed account of this incident in super gods you got to read that um and and, and flex mental is one of the products of this newfound awareness right um so again so you have this this drug addled suicidal rock star that may or may not be grant morrison you have the legion of legions um you have a uh, a tulpa which is a a conscious create a con a, cre a creation of consciousness that has assumed corporeal form it's made real that's what a tulpa is you have flex mentalo searching for his fictional compatriot the fact you have the metallium man this gigantic uh, creature with with uh, kryptonite like um, uh, mineral not minerals um, elements, elements floating yeah. floating around his head right and did you know that notice, character is amazing yeah. did you know one of the uh, metallium elements is lamb and turkey lamb yes yeah. yes yeah. what did what did sage feed to his cat lamb and turkey right yeah and and it's the one element that Morrison kind of glosses over. I mean, he goes into the shocking pink one. He goes into the black one. But it's just like, mm -hmm. yeah, and there's lamb and turkey there, too. And he lets that one go. Um, you have Lord Limbo and, and Nano Man and Mini Miss, the, the, the quantum architects of the, of the entire universe. And, and Faculty X. You have all these things. Uh, Faculty X, by the way, was named uh, after British author Colin Wilson's term for the untapped potential of the human mind. 
Doesn't that fit? Yeah. You got these, these, these dudes wandering through time. They're displaced and, and, and they represent untapped potential, uh, in, in whose mind? Well, I don't know. You got to read it. Uh, so, I mean, that, and all these things coalesce into this epiphany at the end where we won't say, just read the thing, but that's one level. You can read it and get this really cool superhero story of, 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 of a fictionalized creature character come to life, blah, blah, blah. But then there's another layer and Jason touched on it. You want to take this one, Jason? I think you're running with it, buddy. I mean, just to read I don't want to run with the whole thing. I just well, want no, to share. I mean, well, well, I mean, again, it's a four-issue limited series, and each issue uh, in both look and structure and setting is a uh, is is to is meant, I think, pretty overtly. I mean, I guess it. it I don't yeah. think it's you have to dig too deeply um, of the different, at least in Morrison's view in 1996, the different eras of comics. With the last being. You know, some some have said at the time it was his interpretation of the current state of the market, but I think it was more his vision of where he thought the comics market would go. Yep. And actually, one of the things I'd love to, and I haven't read Super God yet, so I must confess, I'd love to hear Morrison's perspective on looking back on this 15 years later, what he thinks of the comics market now versus what he thought it would be. You know, like it's yeah. it's because um, I suspect based on the way that the issue was constructed, it's the comics market isn't exactly what he thought it would be. Um, that would but, be a uh, wonderful topic to talk to him about. Well, there you go. Man. Oh, man. If someone had a convention of some kind. Yeah, seriously. Uh, but I think the fourth issue, and you said it, is is an aspiration. It's yeah, almost yeah. Uh, a psalm of hope for comics to come. And notice the three issues that precede it all take place at night, yeah. except for the last issue where you have this this cloying clingy darkness that runs throughout the whole series it's dispelled at the end not only by the light of this sun into which all these superheroes are 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 spiraling but you have the light from sage's epiphany morrison's epiphany illuminates that darkness of the last issue as so he i what i'm what i got from that is he's trying to bring that knowledge and and everything he's gleaned from that source into comics and make them a, a brighter more welcoming more illuminated you could take that both ways place i think he's doing it uh, the naysayers be damned. And there's yeah, another layer where Grant, and this is where the, the fiction of the Flex Mentalo story and the reality of the Morrison universe, and then you have this other reality, a compartmentalized one of comics pop culture that all, that all meld. And, and it, it, for me, it, it all came to a head in that one panel where Sage is on the phone and he screams into it, Frederick Wortham was fucking right when, yep. he, when yeah. he was talking about the, the sex club. Now, Frederick Wortham, we know, wrote Seduction of the Innocent, and he's the very reason for the Comics Code of Authority and one of the and the main reason EC went under and he changed the landscape of comics forever with his agenda, and there's no damn way a fictional character should know that unless part of their universe intersected with ours. Right. Right. And, mm -hmm. and so mm -hmm. conceptually you have this concept that is, is floating in this fictional universe. It's floating in Grant Morrison's universe. It's, it's, it's touches the, the, uh, 
universe at large that affects us all because we all are privy to this information. If someone so told you to sit down and write a scene or a book that was centered on something like that, how the frig would you do it? How would you pull it off? Who else besides Alan Moore could pull something like that off? To 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 have a, a concept that exists in in three or more different different universes, some of them not physical, but who's to say that the fictional universe doesn't exist? It does exist because I can hold the book. Well, yeah, I, I can, and, I can, and, I can revisit because Morrison and Quitely created that world with that Big Bang. I mean, that's the and that's yeah. the thing. Yeah. That, what, what I love about Flex Mentalis so much, and what's so fascinating about it, is that the the unknowing or the unsettledness as the reader of what is what is quote unquote real and what isn't. You know, where you've got, you know, like to a certain degree, you think you've figured it out. Like, okay, this is all in this dude's head and he's inventing it. But then something happens and you're reading it like, oh, well, wait a minute. Maybe, some, you know, maybe this is real. Maybe, and this, that ties into a lot of Morrison's thoughts like around super gods and his approach to comics and like this idea of, of, you know, we all know comics aren't real. We know Spider Man doesn't exist. We know Superman doesn't exist. These are, these are, are made up concepts. But we also know how important they are to our, us as longtime readers into our perception of what is good and evil in the world and what do I you know like when when you know when we talk when people ask me why do I like Cyclops so much and keep any current commentary to a minimum but the reason why I say Cyclops is, is, is because he is the kind of hero that I see myself wanting to be loyal you know, in control, you know, can be dependable, well, get the job done, get yeah, the ladies. Yeah. yeah. But, um, you know, but, but that's, <laughs> but that's the thing is that the, w us as a generation have been imprinted with this idea of superheroes as our, our vision of what the potential of man can be, even though they don't exist, that we can never be like that. Mm -hmm. And it's wrestling with that, and you take enough drugs, you. I think the the, the lines blur between what is real and what is not. But, can, we, um, can we do that with Grant at the at the Morrison Con? I'm not is that, is that... any any. Well, yeah, or... you know, and, I'm and, there. And the, the thing is, is is I, it's hard not to talk about Flex Mentalo, Flex Mentalo as you know, in its significance to the Grant Morrison career arc. But you know, the other thing about this book, though, is that it. Uh, I mean, how many times? And I mean, again, the the four of us have read a lot of freaking comics and talked mm -hmm. about a lot of freaking comics over the years. How many times have we said something akin to like, "Hey, you know, the story was a good idea, but the art just didn't work with it," or yeah. oh, "That artist just wasn't a right fit." And you know, I mean, I don't, I don't know, in in existence today, like in in, I don't know that there's a better writer artist combination because you know, Morrison's such a creative guy. I don't. I can only I can only conclude since he's continued to work with Quitely over the years on lots of books that he he would agree with what I'm about to say, which is that Quitely has a way of channeling Morrison's most intricate thoughts into the visual medium, unlike anyone else he's ever worked with. I mean, you got to you got to read Super Gods. Yeah. Well, I'm going. I, I mean, I sitting on my on my bedstand. I I need he, to get to it. He um, answers your question. Okay, but do do you know what I mean though? And and it's like you almost if you didn't know better, you'd think that they they shared a. Like they shared a studio, you know. You'd think that 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 like every page that Quitely yeah. was drawing of all these books, he and Morrison were chatting about what Morrison wanted from it because um, it's really astounding. And and you know even um, I mean God, even the covers of this book are ridiculous. Well, the covers like, are the covers are amazing. I, I mean, mean like, the, yeah. the one that's the Dark Knight, you know, cover yeah. homage. I yeah. mean, it's yeah. crazy, you know. And and again, that's overt. Like clearly, anyone that's that's read the Dark Knight doesn't have to. It, it wasn't a stretch to figure out that was. It. But it's it's just uh, you know again like. Quietly, each each style he does each style flawlessly. You know, it's still quietly, but it's it's. I don't know. I just don't know many artists that could pull this off. I don't. I really don't. Right. And, and that's well, not hyperbole. And, and, like it's and, just and it's. 
what I think is funny about it is that this came out in 1996. Yeah. Like, so number one, like, and, and, uh, and there are some, and I don't want to get into it, but there's some coloring issues with this, with, with this version, with yeah. the hardcover. They recolored it, and I, but I don't want to, I'm staying away from that topic. But <laughs> if you look at the pencils in the art, no comic now looks like this. Right. That's true. Like, it's unreal the kind of the kind of talent that that quietly is bringing to the page. Yeah. And when you look at his career, to think this was '96, this is before X Men, this is before All Star Superman. Like I'm, and like thing about quietly is that to the untrained comic fan eye or to the younger fan or whatever, he like Morrison is a challenging creator to read. I think a lot sure. of people he's a very well, again, um, I used to I used to say I was not a I used to say I disliked yeah. And, and, yeah, and people didn't the- like the faces and the and the lines and the, the, the kind of little stuff like that. But I mean, I, I mean, now being in the position that I'm in, and I know I'm very lucky in that I get to read a lot of comics and stuff like that. But between going from this to X Men to All Star Superman, Quitely is one of our current modern masters. Mm-hmm. Like the dude, the dude is legendary, and this just further cemented that he was dropping this when I was when I was in college reading stupid crap, reading Onslaught. I should have been reading this. And I kicked well, myself. Right. And this is yeah. this is another in the long line of examples of you know this came out again in 1996. You know it's so easy and lazy for people to talk about oh the 90s was such a lost yeah. time for comics, but some of the best works of our lives were created in the 90s. I mean it's just Oops. that you know unfortunately they weren't the ones selling you know 500,000 copies a week. You know that that that's just the only issue at hand. But but uh, but but they were there if you if you looked for them. And there's and the great thing about comics. Is again, I know we do plenty of bitching about the state of the, but one of the awesome things about comics now more than ever is that these stories exist and are and are for the most part available to you. Like, yeah. you, you didn't read it off the stand in '96. Guess what? You can go out and buy it right now, and you can read yeah. it, and it and it holds up. You know, <laughs> right now, uh, you, there's another conceptual scene that only works if, if you know comics and 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 comics culture, and it's the. Uh, the sequence where the the shaggy blonde junkie is with the uh, the shehees in the in the restroom, and, yes. and he's gonna he's gonna shoot up this drug, and and he's gonna become a Superman, and the drug is called Crystal with a K. Uh, so on on the surface, you have a junkie who's trying a drug for the first time to to be to be more than he is, and and he dies from the experience, but. Season the scene with your your knowledge of of comics culture, and you have Commandy yep. shoot, shooting up green kryptonite, mm-hmm. yep. uh, becoming a Superman and and expiring, uh, and and that's it, it's a beautiful scene because not only is I mean Commandy's my favorite book of all time, right? But you you have a a, a little bit of commentary on. Uh, what I see as as certain third and and fourth tier characters within the realm of comics they they're born they come to potency and they expire and these series go away and they never come back again and and that's what that's what Commandy was it, it was uh I don't even think back in the seventies it was insanely popular but now it's gained uh, a fairly significant bunch of a uh, fan base right but but to me it's it's the alpha and the omega of comics it doesn't get better than commandy and and this says everything that commandy was i don't know if grant intended this and he, he probably didn't but that's what i'm taking from it because it's to me it's there i mean you can interpret it as you see fit but there's a reason why quietly drew him that way with the with the 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 ragged blue jeans 
shirtless and long blonde hair. There's a reason why that this character is depicted in that manner, and to me, it's Commandy. Yeah, very, yes. very well, it could be. I mean, and what's funny also in reading in reading Flex Mentallo, I mean, I grew up. You know, it's funny. I was I was thinking about this today, actually. Um, you know, I grew up a Marvel fan. You know, Mar- Marvel was my basis, and then yeah, same here. And then and then as I grew up, oh damn it! I'm sorry. What this character actually says? I feel so low, like the last boy on Earth. Yeah. Duh. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right. Exactly. I exactly. forgot about about that part. I'm sorry. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> So I'm a I'm a Marvel fan, and then as I got older, when I hit my teens, I really feel as if while Marvel was like my was my basis, you know, I'm really of the Image generation. You know, I'm I'm also a, a, a huge Image fan. I feel as if you know Marvel, you know, like I, the way I look at it, like DC Comics were like my dad's comics, Marvel Comics were like my uncle's comics, and Image is like my comics. You know, like that's how I kind of look at the legacy. Um, but I, I had very little influence of DC comics or characters growing up or in my com, you know, I didn't get into DC until well into my twenties. Um, I, yeah, actually it was Grant Morrison on JLA that got me into DC comics in the nineties. But, um, reading this and reading how steeped it is in DC lore, things like Commandy, things like, you know, like all the little, t- the, did you see the, the, um, the metal men in that one panel? Mm-hmm. Dripping yeah. on the on yeah exactly yeah they're they're all those they're all these little nods and t- and and head nods to DC comics. It's clear that Grant grew up loving the world of DC comics and and that's his his influence. And it's just fascinating to see you know that get translated into this world that he's created. And then I wonder if a creator like Grant grew up with Marvel comics, how different the story would be, or you know, right. or the the future creators of now. And actually, when we get to when we get to the in your travels, I'm going to talk about the book that I want to recommend. You know, how is image influencing the the future grants of the world and that you know so i don't know it's, i love that legacy idea yeah and, and just to so again so people that get back to the idea of each issue being corresponding i mean just so people are aware of, so like the first issue was basically an analog of the golden age you know and I, I mean again i hate to use the word straightforward but it's like the most it's the most linear in that it's pure right i mean it's sort of a, a, a straight up detective and it's there's an origin story and there's flex being the hero and there's a villain you know, and then obviously the next issue, which is the Silver Age, which which if we're talking about Morrison's career, I think he's played. The, he's had the most. I think he's well, at least to me, he's he's had more interest in revisiting the idea of what the Silver Age was all about than any other yeah. era. I mean, he's played in all areas, but it seems like that's the era that he he spent the most time thinking about and what it meant. Um, and again, I don't know if he talks about that in Super Gods or if there's a reason for that, but it seems like that. And you yeah, know, that yeah. second issue, which has the mentality of man and all that stuff. I mean, that's definitely you know the era of science and 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 uh, and and sort of wilder ideas and the integration of you know the hero epic into that world of science and exploration and the atomic age and there's that. And then obviously third issue again, it's got a Dark Knight you know homage cover, so it's that's the the dark stuff and there's a you know yeah. there's a night's club where you know the superheroes are banging and doing all kinds of crazy shit and it's just again it coincides with that era when i think a lot of us really got into comics which was the you know the the watchman area and the dark Knight era where where we realized for the first time like oh my god like comics and the characters in these comics can be flawed they can have sins they can they can do heroic things and also have a bad side you know that's that was Make you know certainly, and, yeah. exactly and and he I know there was there was one point in that issue where he makes reference to worlds colliding, which is obviously you know a direct you know point crisis. to crisis and you know and then like we've talked about that fourth issue is sort of how Grant I think envisioned the future or what he would love comics to become and sort of become transcendent and you know yeah. able to do you know break barriers and genres and that sort of thing and um and I guess if that was his goal or his hope I mean I guess you could say that's happened right I mean certainly because if you look at 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 the the breadth and depth of 
of comics that have been created in the last you know fifteen years. Certainly, I think you could argue that that in a way that's happened. I don't think it's happened within the the mainstream construct as as much as he probably would have hoped. But but certainly, comics and graphic storytelling has, have continued to evolve and 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 you know continue to be diverse. So you know, again, I, I'd love to ask him like, what does he think about like, is it what he thought it would be and and or not? But but uh, so, but yeah. go ahead, Vince. You were, I just wanted to sort of get that out there, but. Right. Uh, oh, and, your and crackly figures. Unheard of, dude. <laughs> <laughs> but to, but to, to, to add to your point, Jason, I don't think that I don't think the world that Grant is is hoping for in that fourth issue is is done happening. You know, like I think mm-hmm. I think we're still evolving. Like the, whatever this age that we're in now, like I like we we often talk about like you know there's the golden age and the silver age and the bronze age and the modern age and the dark age and all and, and all this sort of stuff. Like I don't know. Like I can't I can't define what age we're in right now and where and where comics have been. You know, definitely things took a turn at the end of the '90s, the early 2000s, more towards you know tilting back to writers and more story based. And like honestly, and within the past year, less than a year, mainly with what all the activity at Image. I mean, it's going. You know, we're definitely seeing a shift away from dependence on the big two and more towards creator-owned and more towards different genres and expanding. And 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 we're, and that's not discounting for all the stuff that's happening on the on the fringes, on the edges at Fantagraphics and Toronto Quarterly and all like you know the literary worlds. You know, accepting comics as you know not accepting but you know celebrating comics as the the um, the 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 medium that we know how great it can be. Like, I don't think his vision is realized yet, and I think we're still. I think we're a lot closer than people think so um I don't yeah, know. i mean it 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 could well be and and you know i mean i think part of the evolution of that will be how and if we can get these things consumed by a broader audience right which is sort of the, the classic conundrum because um a, again for better or for worse i don't and this i don't want this to devolve into sort of a analysis or condemnation of the direct market but i mean i think we've all lived in it long enough to know the direct market is what it is you know i mean that's that's it, I think we're kind of you're beating your head against the wall to expect it to magically transform into something else. Um, so you know, for sort of really innovative and evocative and and challenging stories to to flourish, I mean, they're going to have to flourish in other ways. You know, largely yeah. again, there are exceptions certainly, um, but but I just think it, in general, it's going to be it's going to be it's going to have to come in different ways, right? And especially if we're going to get this mythical new generation of readers to, to to foster on their love and support for the genre that, you know, that we've obviously put so much importance in. You know, one of the things that is in this book, too, that, that is fascinating is this idea that, you know, that, that Wally Sage created these characters and that they kind of exist in their own reality and that um, because, although, you know, you said it, Ronald, although certainly we're all conscious in our, in our, in our, we're aware of the fact that superheroes are fake. But at the same point in time, I don't think it's unfair to say that we put a tremendous amount of personal importance in the concept of superheroism or these characters right i mean certainly the four of us on this on this episode and lots of people listening have for better or for worse put a lot of value in the medium of comic books the stories themselves the characters i mean they've meant a lot to us and continue to mean a lot to us um for whatever reason, you know, how, how we each probably identify with it for different reasons, but they, it it filled a, an important, you know, not a hole necessarily, but it filled an important part of our of our lives, right? I mean, like again, you know, I'm, you know, you know, David, Vince, and I are married. You've, you know, you've, you're, you're obviously our, our age. You, you know, you, you've, you've, you've been down that road. But my point is, is like we've had, you know, I'm, I have three kids. You know, Vince has kids. You know, my point is, is sort of we're much at much different places in our lives than we were when we fell yeah. in love with comics. But yet, you know, I, I wouldn't be the person I am today if it wasn't for comic books. And the fact that they're still a big part of my life 
you know, it's, I think there's a reason for that. Like, there's lots of other things I was into at different points in my life that I'm not really into anymore, and yet comics are a constant, you know. Right. Um, and it's, so, but, I mean, I think Morrison was a little bit playing with that, too, in this, you know. I, I, I mean, would it's, argue... It's, go ahead. After you, Vince. No, 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 no. no. I, I, was, I, I would argue that superheroes are real. Yeah. They, they, they do exist, not in the sense that you and I exist, but they, they exist on paper. We can visit their worlds whenever we want. They, they exist as memories and emotions and uh, assorted uh, things attached to the memories of reading and, and experiencing these their adventures. So uh, that's not real. Yeah, no, and and I and to build on that, I I always when I think and we're getting I'm getting totally hokey and and sappy here, but um, I like when I think about comics and superheroes and the importance of comics and culture, I I can't help but think of the speech that James Earl Jones gives in Feel the Dreams at the end of it um, about baseball, where you know you're when just you're st- standing in for Chris, you don't have to talk about sports. You know? <laughs> <laughs> no, Very nice. But I'm, seri- but I'm serious, and 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 you know, would you probably know this? And, and Vincent, David, I don't know if you've guys seen this movie or care or not, but there's a there's a moment where. It's the it's the climax of the movie, and they've got you know like this this guy has you know sacrificed has has torn down half his farm to build a baseball field, and he's losing his house. He can't pay his mortgage payments because his his income was from this farm, and the whole idea is that you know if you build it, they'll come. And and James Earl Jones gives a speech to saying you know people will come because baseball is in the tapestry of America. It's been it's like a chalkboard. It's been written and erased and written again and erased and written again and erased. And each generation comes back. And I you you substitute baseball for comics, which I do agree, which I do believe is another American invention, American medium, not comics in general, but you know, but the American comic book. You know the the stuff that they did in the '30s, Siegel and Schuster and Bill Finger and Jack and Joe Simon and Stanley and Ditko and that that whole lead you know tapestry is an American thing, American tradition that then crossed borders and went over to England and people like Grant picked up on it, and Alan Moore and touched upon it and it is a part of our you know our heritage and Vince I agree with you like they're real like the concepts yeah. are real like it's it's whether whether or not you know like it was you know I might not have kids but I have nieces and you know I put comics in their hands and I put tiny titans in their hands at an early age because I want them to know that superman exists right i mean if you throw yourself yeah. out of a window uh, in a high rise, I'm not saying that you should expect Superman to save you, but that that sense of reality, no, they're not. But as a as a, a, a cognitive thing that exists in a realm that you can't see, you can't see your ideas and your personality and your essence and your soul. They exist, but you can't see them. But that's where all this stuff resides. Like another thing that Flex Mentallo is, is Morrison playing around with, with archetypes and, and the writing, the writing process. And where do ideas come from? Where do ideas come from? Well, they come from the same place that superheroes come from. Mm -hmm. Like, like you, you had one of the, the, uh, threads trailing through this thing is that you have these universes of superpowered beings and 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 they're they're under the threat of total annihilation uh and, and how do they get away from from this threat they become fictional how does one become fictional you just can't decide to become fictional right they they they, they transform into these fictional constructs and they they flee to our universe in order to escape this fate well our universe is a fictional construct as well imp- imprisoned in the the body of something called the absolute 
what would I mean? What does that say to you? The, Morrison takes an idea, wraps it in another concept, and sticks it in 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 a, in a shell called the absolute. The absolute is the everything. The everything is the universe, and and we reside within it as uh, layers of 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 information. Really, I mean, what what do you, what happens when you die? Where do you go? Well, what what is your body when you when you're dead? Do you just cease to be? Do you, does the thing called Jason Wood just evaporate when his body no longer functions? Yes, I I would say no. No, I'm kidding. Right, but well, <laughs> I'm you, I know you're being coy, but the the your effect on the people that are still alive remains yeah. your your children will will go through life with your knowledge and the teachings you have imparted into them and take it and impart that into their children and so jason wood's not going to die the superhero archetype archetype doesn't die it's just it's like a race memory it's just transferred to another iteration of the being so yeah. that's real yeah, and 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 a little less um, esoterical, <laughs> but like, mm -hmm. am I alone in saying that that superheroes have positively affected my life, like directly? No, no, no. yeah, no. yeah, I'm not alone at all. I mean, I, I, my my a, a significant portion of my paycheck comes from it, and I know that I'm unique in that regard. Not everybody, you know, but the thing is, is that it has. It, I think I think comics and superheroes and the idea of them have made the world a better place, and it's great to see it celebrated. Um, and you know, as I and it's funny because I was talking on iFanboy a few weeks ago about how you know I wasn't really feeling AVX, I wasn't really enjoying Avengers vs X Men because a lot of my tastes are going more towards saga and you know things that are doing different ideas in comics. But that doesn't mean that I'm not reading it, that I don't love it, that it's not a, a big part of it. You know, so um, yeah. Crazy, crazy it, comic books. It is, and we hate we hate your success, by the way. But anyway, uh, <laughs> but the, one more thing. I, I mean, you guys can can run with it. I just had one more uh, little tidbit that I wanted to drop. Uh, I think that Morrison's home stretch in in Animal Man was the uh, the sequence where Buddy uh, Baker becomes self aware. Mm -hmm. When he looks at the reader and he says, "I can see you," mm -hmm. he 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 pierces yep. the confines of the that that four panel, four lines of the panel, yep. and he and he looks straight at the, the 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 reader and he's having a dialogue with the reader. So that to me is is the almost the culmination of Morrison's run <laughs> on Animal Man. Flex Mentalo begins with that. Yeah. Hey, speaking of that, that's did, a good point. Did, are you reading Animal Man in issues currently? Yes. Um, I did for the first couple. Oh. Now I've switched to trade. He uh, well, okay. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm going to spoil for you. I'm sorry, but in the most recent issue, Lemire referenced Grant in in Animal Man. Nice. Uh, Reference like in the fur in the fur like it's Buddy Baker's inner monologue. He's like, I had a crazy dream once that I met my creator and he was a bald Scottish guy, and I was like, uh, Wow, uh, uh, Lemire, you're going there. Yeah. Because, well, I don't blame yeah. him. He should. That was that was yeah. a highlight of the of that yeah. run. Yeah. Uh, and and we have that that self awareness in in the within the first two pages of of, of Flex Mental. So there's mm -hmm. there's nowhere to go but up. I mean the the chef looks right at the reader, and, and he and he he says, "You want eggs? Eggs? Who wants eggs?" He's looking at you. Right. And, and what what's what's an egg? It's a symbol of of life, right? So you have a universe which is stamped with this potential of the human mind. The the faculty X guy is tattooed. I was going to say you just. I was, I'm glad you mentioned the human mind because because again I, and and 
I don't want to. Morrison's very capable of of articulating what drives his own decisions, but right. one of the things I think that you know I've always been fascinated about, just not not in the realm of comics, but just in in general, is sort of what you know the human condition, the human the human mind, and why it's different from you know. Yes, we're a mammal technically, and you know all that sort of thing, but you know, especially again with having young you know young sons, they'll say like, well, you know why are we the way we are? And, you know, that's a fascinating question, right? It's got a lot of layers. Like why, you know, if, if you argue that there's the natural order of things, right? And there's, you know, literally millions of different living species on the earth, you know, whether it be animal, plant, like, and they all sort of have this natural coexistence, right? And then the one, you could argue that the one that doesn't really have a natural coexistence is us, right? And yet we do all these things that nothing else do, do right? Like we, we create these things out of, that aren't natural, right? We, we, we've used our mind to create them. And so one of the things I think that Morrison is big on, and I totally agree with him, is that really if you articulate what makes a human being different than like any other living thing, at least that we interact with here on, you know, our planet or whatever, uh, presume, you know, putting aside like other universes or whatever, um, is that, you know, the, our mind is able to, uh, supersede our reality or change reality, right? Like we're, we're able to create things that otherwise wouldn't exist just from our own. So ideas become reality, right? Like here I am sitting in my house right now on a couch watching a TV with a computer here talking to you guys over the internet. You know what I mean? Like, like that stuff doesn't exist in the natural world. Like we've created that stuff out of our own ideas the way things should be. And your, so, your ideas go out there. Right. But that's what I'm saying. And so while superheroes aren't, aren't in our reality existing, I think Grant's always been very big. And I do think it's, it's, it's very real. The, the, the notion that human humanity is able in many cases to make their ideas reality. And, and that's wh- and what's not that something called? that any other species can do. And what's that called? Creationism. It's magic with a K. Well, okay, and maybe he calls it yeah. magic, but but I mean and, and that's that's a big deal, right? I mean again, I mean and I think again since we since our since we are who we are and we live in this world, we don't really I think a lot of people take that for granted. Like we take for granted that like again you think about like if you look at it, the natu- if you if you look at evolution and it takes you know literally millions of years for species to evolve and then you think of how vastly different our lives are from our grandparents' lives and what their lives are different from their grandparents and just like we're we're changing and evolving in such a ridiculous pace now ultimately you could argue that that means that you know we're we're on our crash course to wiping ourselves off the face of the earth that's another conversation but my point is is like we're like our existence has changed all the time right like. I mean, we're not that old, and even think of when we were kids. I mean, the internet was not even in, like it, the word didn't even exist. Like we yeah. didn't like much less. It just it wasn't even a concept. You know, like that. Like so, yeah. Like sure, you can read books and 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 science fiction. And say okay, we we never got to. You know, we didn't. We don't have spaceships to take us to other universes. And so okay, sure, but. Fucking, we have the internet, right? Like we have fucking, like you know, like we have, like no, I'm saying, like, like we have things that exist literally that, like, that none of us, no one thought, even conceptualized thirty, forty years ago. You know what I mean? Right. That's crazy. That's it's, nuts. It's it's a, a cascading rise of novelty. Terrence McKenna, Time Wave Zero. That's what that's what this is. We are in an age where the new, the novel is is compounding daily. I mean, a an event like Fukushima, where God knows how much radiation is spewing into the atmosphere every day, would have been a big deal for many years in the seventies. Now it's just it's a footnote. When was the last time you heard about Fukushima? It's still going yeah. on, right? Yeah. And 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 it, and and that's just like yeah, okay, that happened, and now this happened, and now you know it's not all bad. It's just no, right. I mean, the, the, uh, the novel, like a gay marriage. The, the, the president, spill, right? I mean, I know right, from yeah. You know, the the I president mean, came out today supporting gay marriage. Unheard of. Yeah, you're right. 
it, and it's just every day there's there seems to be something else and 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 it's it's compounding it's cascading into this wave of novelty that has been repeated through the millennia and 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 uh terence mckenna mapped this wave using the I Ching and, and other things just google terence mckenna if you want to know what i'm talking about and and it's all spiraling to a point that he called time wave zero where we will change and time wave zero just happens to coincide with the end of the mayan calendar scoff if you will but it's his theory <laughs> go go no i come on and and uh ask grant about it ask ask grant about it when you talk to him yeah. uh you ask and, grant when you talk to him yeah uh, <laughs> I, i'll have to brush my knees off and yeah. uh, <laughs> like a breath yeah really i love you grant uh so well where was i going with this oh the archetypes uh, pulled from a uh a something called the absolute race memory that that's what he's talking yeah, about we should here. probably wrap this up so we can talk about avx <laughs> oh, okay um kidding, no, no, no. everybody go go buy and read and consume multiple times uh flex yeah. mentality because it is so i will dense. say this you know again we everybody has their own tastes and who am i to to judge but i will say this is one of those those things where if if I don't want. This is one of those things where, like, if I see someone say, like, "Oh, I read this and it was stupid," or right, it's it's, it's the barometer. Like, I, yeah, I, I don't mind if anyone reads this and doesn't like it. Like, that's again, that's just personal. But if you read this and make some snide remark about, like, "Oh, it's Morrison on drugs," or "Oh, what the hell," like, then I'm gonna pretty much think you're a dope. Because, like, again, yep. it's like, again, there are a lot of layers here, and I'm not saying you have to buy into. You know, we're 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 going off on some tangents, and, and I'm not suggesting you have to come away feeling like that it was this profound work although i do think it is profound um but but dude like you just don't you know at some point you just have to be intellectually honest with yourself i mean if you can't recognize this for the achievement of the craft then i don't know that you appreciate the craft right like i don't yep um uh, this work on a lot of levels is 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 a masterpiece again if the story or the structure doesn't necessarily resonate with you that's fine but appreciate it for the craft, or or I'm gonna have trouble really valuing your opinion. Just right. Well, it's I like- mean, I mean, if anything, if anything, I think it almost serves, you know, like and we've talked, we referred to it a lot. But if you've read Super Gods, or if you think about reading Super, it's almost like a visual kind of a chapter of Super God. I mean, like in terms mm-hmm. of the appreciation for comic books, like that's why I said, like my, what I took away from it was building a world and a life around this idea of comic books. And we, like anybody who's a comic book fan, needs to read this because you will recognize themes and characters. And you know, like, and you know, like, you're not gonna tell me you saw the fact and you immediately thought of the question, you know, or that right. you, saw, you know, or the commandy reference, or you know, any any of the other like these things that are part of our greater lore. And and Vince, I love your concept of you know, fi- you know, f- uh, fictionalized nonfiction or however you put it like that because yeah. that's what it is. You know, like it's it's playing with fiction in a world of nonfiction, and that's what's you know, um, I think amazing. So uh, yeah, no, you, I agree with you, Jason. Like people got to read it. And yeah. you got to at least appreciate, and if anything, for the quietly art, yeah. like just to see. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. I, it's. I, I I don't even know if this is a word, but but I think it's 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 almost extra human. I mean, he's no the, chest the way, drug, but he's the, the <laughs> way the way it's crafted. The 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 the. Check, approach yeah. <laughs> quite quietly in Morrison's approach to this book. It's like it was written and drawn by beings that are are far far above normal humans. Yeah. I, I can't imagine ever crafting something. 
number one, this complex, this beautiful, uh, with, with the ability to revisit it many, many times and pick something else out of it. Every, it, it's, it's like this reveals its secrets to you, uh, at the time you read it. And when you come back to it, it knows what it told you and it's going to tell you a little bit more next time. And Mm -hmm. and, and it's a book that you will grow with that's not going to grow with you. It's already perfection. You you need to evolve in accord with the material in this book. How about that? I feel bad all your listeners are going to hate me because I came on and just dominated the whole show about Grant Morrison. That's why you're here. Hey, (laughs) next week, Batman R.I.P. Who's coming? Uh (laughs) We already did that. We did. All right. Uh, So let me see the clock. David, let's see the clock on the wall here. Two ten. Yeah, we got to wrap it. Um, <laughs> Jeez, two hours and ten minutes. I mean, oh, by I the time we, I was like, what are you talking? I don't know how you guys do this every week. I mean, this is exhausting. Fly, it <laughs> flies by. I live for I this. I know it flies by. It's great, but it's like, <laughs> I mean, like it's funny because our show's only an hour and we're in and out and this type of thing. Well, you guys commit. You guys are. This is this is amazing. So. Serious as a heart attack, as Jason would say. <laughs> you know it. That's right. And uh, this investigation into Flex Mentalo and the Morrison Con and everything you heard has been brought to you by Discount Comic Book Service, DCBService.com, where you buddies and budettes can get your comics at huge Wumba discounts. Like I said, concrete three on easy pieces, one shot dollar 49. The wa- second wave of the watchman books, 50% off seven ninety eight. Uh, adventure time spinoff Marceline and princess Bubblegum in swing. Squ- uh, scream Queens dollar 99 half off cover and get the Scott Pilgrim thing while you're there. Cause it's, it's pretty good. 1249 half price in your travels. I'm not going to push a comic book uh, because, frankly, this week, all I read was Flex Mentalo over and over and over again. Yeah. So nothing, nothing is fresh in my mind. But what is uh, bubbled to the surface is an experience I had a couple of days ago when I took my boy to see Avengers. Uh, wow. Yes, it, it is a fantastic movie. It's a hell of a lot of fun. Uh, I will not spoil it, but damn, it's two hours and whatever, 20 minutes. It flies by. It's, uh, I'm not going to go as far as to say it's the greatest superhero film ever made. That one is still captured captured by the Dark Knight. But if you're looking for two plus hours of slam bang fun and uh, everything you would ever want out of an Avengers movie, honest to God, this, I, I didn't expect it to be this good. Have you all seen it? I mean, has everyone no, seen it? David, uh, David hasn't, hasn't but okay. yeah, we have. Mm-hmm. It, it is. I, I will say it's it's the best of the Marvel movies. It's oh, better than by I far, easily. by oh, far. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you got to admit, it, it's a great popcorn muncher. It does everything it should do. It's fun. It's engaging. It's still not a f- cinematic experience on the level of the Dark Knight. It's just not. The, it's I mean, apples and oranges, dude. No, it's not. The, the, the directing, the, the, the performances, they're nowhere near. But I know they're not the same kind of movie. Yeah, it's, it's hard but, to, but, it, it, to me, right. to me, this it's movie... It's still a superhero movie, though. Yeah, but I it's not I mean, a crime drama or anything yeah, like see, that. You see, I was going to say, <laughs> I think the Dark Knight is certainly like a fantastic movie. Yeah. Uh, but this is just... this. This was to me. This had a much greater chance of being a humongous letdown to me because, again, I'm much more. I mean, I was an Avengers kid, not a Batman kid. Two, this book, this movie's been building literally through you know how many other films, and we've been you know we've been so close to it. I I just really thought that there were so many ways that this could be. Right. It was going to be really hard to live up to what I thought to be mountainous expectations, and yet it it 
it flew right past them. I mean, it, it was so much fun, and I just it was. Um, and it you know, was and, fun. and I know you took your son. I took my you know my two older boys, and and they loved it, and they want to go back, and, and I'm going tomorrow night to see it again with with my uh, wife. And, um, I mean, I think I think the fact the fact that they got the Hulk right. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, the fact that absolutely. the fact that it's continuing the shared universe, the fact that and then not even Scarlett Johansson interesting, which uh, exactly. they didn't the first. And they, and they and did you guys see it in three D? Yep, I did not. No, they they, they actually their, her butt was in three D. It was. But but and the and and then the the promise of what's to come from the mid credit sequence, it's just a mind blow. Like I I saw I I got I got a chance to see it we um a couple weeks before it came out in a press screening, and so I'm sitting there with like 15 rows of other like like they're people like real reporters, like not like me, like I'm the, I'm there and I'm like all excited, and there's dudes with like the pen with the little light so they can take notes and like. <laughs> All that shit, and the mid-credit sequence happened. I'm not revealing it because I don't want to ruin it for David. Because uh, right. I'm hopefully, hopefully you don't know what it is. Um, but when it happened, I went, "Oh my god!" Like out loud, and then I was like, <laughs> yeah. "Oh god, I'm that fan who like reacted verbally to something." It was <laughs> well, and you know, Ron, I listened to you and and, and Connor and Josh talk about it too on uh, your recap podcast, and I have to say, I think you guys hit a lot of points. I mean, um, the, the thing this had a really nice balance in terms of. Um, like there was an there there wasn't too much Robert Downey Jr. You know, like it wasn't it didn't right. suffer from him being over the top because he was over the top, but it was him in a context of ten other characters, so it didn't feel as 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 egregious as as I think Iron Man two did. You know, where it was like yeah, ham just... ham boning you know the whole time. <laughs> um, so no, I just thought it was great, man. I mean, again, I don't want to get into details, you know, uh, yet, but but I, I thought it was they they couldn't have asked for a better film, and again, um, the the fact that that. I haven't really heard a, a comic book fan not love it yet, and and yet it's it's on its way to doing a billion dollars too, which means yep. it you know it 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 it, it straddled the 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 quote unquote fanboys and obviously the mainstream in a in a in a pitch perfect yeah, way. And, and on Saturday morning, I mean, the people who had oh, right. seen the movie even before, I mean, you know, Jason was asking, you know, did you see it? Did you like it? I mean, he was he was he was looking on. Not begging, but I mean, he was waiting for someone to say it wasn't all that, or it wasn't what I expected, or I was let down here and here. Nobody said that, even and and even Matthew, when he was talking about it, he saw it with right. his brother, and he's uh -huh. like, you know, he saw all the trailers, he saw all the clips, he knew what to expect, and even still, he was blown away by how awesome he thought the movie. Was. I, don't, I don't think Joey liked it. Uh, well, he's. I'm not surprised. I mean, the dude loves Miami Vice, yeah. so we already have issues. So, <laughs> oh, Jesus. Well, I don't know about that. All right. Well, well, you have a good. That was a good in your travels. What, what you got, David? <laughs> uh, you know what? I'm going to say. Um, I just read the uh, the latest issue of. Um, I've gone back to it, you know, plenty of times. But I'm going to say, go ahead and and keep reading Daredevil. Um, the, the latest issue, shocker, uh, illustrated by Chris Somney. It is gorgeous. It, it is <laughs> Double a little shocker. bit. really. It is a. Uh, it's it's kind of a uh, an early, very little Daredevil in costume. It's a uh, literally a blind date, and it is a. Uh, there's um, there's some backstory between Matt and Foggy from their Columbia Law School days, and it is it's just a really cool little kind of done in one issue really enjoyable all uh, across the whole board wade wrote a really cool story and uh Sonny just did some great stuff art wise so i'm going to say keep getting daredevil all right good recommendation definitely uh i'll go and then we'll let our guest uh, we'll let our guest back clean up um 
Um, I mentioned it uh, briefly in the beginning, talking about the wild pig, but uh, in your travels, give uh, War of the Woods a try. Um, yes. Again, it's it's a it's a book written and illustrated by Matthew Petz, basically, uh, which is P E T Z. Um, it is uh, a story of um, otters and turtles who have to uh, battle an alien invasion in the New Jersey Pine Barrens. Cool. It is an all-ages comic. It's wonderfully yeah. and, and, and really detailedly illustrated. Um, the collected edition, which I'm holding, is, um, is uh, it's small. It's like the size of a digest, but it's, um, it's, uh, it's like horizontal. Kind of yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's widescreen. Um, full color. It's terrific. Um, you can, if you're a digital guy, you can also get it on Comixology um, for, I think, five bucks. So it's well, well worth it in whatever and form you want. That's um, and that that's it may be on graphically too, Ron. Sorry, I don't know if it is or not, but the um, and and Jason's holding book one. Book two is in the process of almost being finished, and Matthew will be releasing it digitally. I think ninety nine cents in, yeah. in chapters, but yeah. So the story's continuing. Now, see, there are no coincidences. You got a book called War of the Woods that takes place in New Jersey. And your son sleeps with otters and turtles. It's crazy, right? No. So, okay, you got one. All right, woods. Okay, big deal. New Jersey, that's two. But the fact that your son with the, with the animals, th- th- that's not a coincidence. Plus, you know, it's those little moments to little kids. You know, you forget, like, I mean, again, we go to so many cons. It's, we, how easy is it to get someone to, to sign something or dedicate it? But, you know, I mean, Jackson's been to one con, New York Comic Con, and he was overwhelmed. So when not only did this book speak to him, but then he opened up the front page, and there's a little otter with a turtle on its head drawing, it says, to Jackson. So he was like, you know, to him, this book was like hand-created for him. It's like, <laughs> it's like Daddy went away for the weekend and came back with a, com- a full-color comic book designed for him. And, like, that's awesome, you know? And there were, and again, I realize that not everyone listening has a son that's in the turtles and otters. But the point is there's some comic out there that everyone's going to feel the same way about when they first read it. Yep. You know, yeah. that's why we do what we do. That's right. And charge how much we charge. That's funny. Mr. Richards. So for mine, I'm going to slightly cheat a little and recommend two titles, but they're oh. from the same publisher. But whatever. Um, in your <laughs> travels, I would recommend, if you haven't already, check out uh, both from Image Comics. Check out uh, Supreme from uh, Mr. Eric Larson and Corey Hamisher. Nice. Um, uh, the the Supreme number sixty four came out, which is uh, after the the first issue of this title back. You have after a lunch date with Larson tomorrow, don't you? That's why you're saying. No, this. I don't actually. I've, I've been lucky <laughs> enough. Mr. Larson has moved to to the neighborhood next to my neighborhood, and I've I've had a couple of uh, interesting lunches with them. Mr. But um, he followed up. He followed up Alan Moore's last Supreme issue in sixty four. Now it's he's fully in the writing um, uh, reins, and it's if it's it's a blast. If you're a Larson fan, and if you're a Supreme fan, and if you were a Moore fan, it, you. Got it. I just had a curiosity. Check out, see what he did. But then also, um, somewhat tied to Flex Mentale and what we're talking about, check out Hell Yeah from Image Comics, uh, written by Joe Keating, who is a buddy of mine, um, with art by Andre Siminowitz. Um, and Andre is an up-and-coming artist, very much in the Frank Quitely school. Um, Ooh, he, that he's came not- out today, didn't it? It did. Number three came out this week, yeah. Um, Andre's not quite there yet. Some pages every now and then look a little funky and like, you know, our panel looks there. But in every issue, there's been at least a, a couple of pages or a couple of panels where you're like, wow, this guy's going to be good. So like, get on early. That's, that's my right. And Hell Yeah exists in the world of the generation of image comics and is very much uh, fictionalizing the, the, the nonfiction, like a, a world influenced by superheroes. So, I mean, uh, Vince, I think it's up your alley. So, yeah. Yeah. Definitely picking cool. up the trade. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's, it's, I'll be curious to hear what you think about it. So. Cool. I'll be listening. I'll be home listening. We know you will. <laughs> you guys are. You guys are. You see, I go. I, I go running. I go. I go running for like mm-hmm. forty-five minutes at a time. Forty-five minutes to an hour at a time. So you guys are my companion. My running companions. Nice. Week, so thank you. Yeah. And you can see Ron at Morrison Con. <laughs> yeah, go to MorrisonCon.com. Buy a ticket, please. I will. I we're joking. I was then. I stopped today. I, was, I will hand sell every ticket if I need to. <laughs> <laughs> and, and if two and a half hours of crazy podcasting about comics a week aren't enough. Yeah. Ron, of course, does a little podcast that's uh, still trying to break it into the mainstream, but still working hard. Uh, called uh, I Fanboy, yeah. and uh, you just, yeah, just just Google it. You might. They, they, I think their website's finally up. So yeah, and, and we've got we've got our Pick of the Week podcast. We've got our Don't Miss podcast. We've got our Make Comics podcast. Yeah, we've got a whole bunch of podcasts. So it's they it's try a, so hard. It's a little crazy. Yeah, so we're trying. We just want people to like us. It's all we want. Love, love me, Daddy. Uh, and do not forget. That the Summit City Comic Con is this weekend. I almost yes. forgot. Yeah, 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. on May 12th. If you're in Fort Wayne, Indiana, you best be there. Gabriel Hardman, Robert Aikens, Mike Damn, Norton. Hardman's going out for it, huh? That's cool. Yeah, Tom Scholey, uh, Katie Cook, Hillary Damn, Barta. Our crew. Yeah, you got to get there. 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. Children under 12 admitted free with a paid adult admission. They're going to have panels and raffles and costume contests and, and Power Rangers and just everything. You got to Fort Wayne, Indiana. I forget and we should the name give of- a shout out to uh, the, the showrunners, Mr. Zach Cruzzi and Mr. Ben Teed. That's right. So if you want to know more, if you want to know exactly where this place is, I forgot, uh, and I don't have it listed here, go on your little internet uh, device and type it in. Like the Fort Wayne Convention Center? Or Grand Wayne or something like that? Grand Wayne. Grand Wayne. Yeah. yeah, it was the Grand Wayne. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what the hell? This is a fl- uh, it's a flyover con. <laughs> <laughs> SummitCityComicCon.com. That, that'll take that, you right there. Yism. That was for Neesman. That was a joke. I'm sorry. I love, I love the Summit City Comic Con. I would go if I could. Uh. <laughs> we all would. We all, yeah, I know. That's right. Yeah. So, oh, yay. Well, thanks for having me, guys. I hope, oh. I, I hope the listeners don't hate me too much. Thanks for being here. You can be here every week if you want. It's true. If you and, want Chris's uh, job, you, you can have it. Ron will be uh, heard next, uh, I think, on Saturday. He'll be recording an episode of Macrame today. Um, <laughs> I love that show. Shows the best. I'm just, I'm really, I'm really just trying to break in onto the whole, onto the Muggle, Muggle cast. I want to break into the whole Harry I, Potter that, podcast. I bet you do. Yeah, I'm working my way up there. Yeah, so. mm-hmm. I guess I'd have to read one of those books then, wouldn't I? Or watch the movie. I've never, I've never, oh, wow. you've never read any of them. I've never read or watched a minute or a word of anything Harry Potter. Huh, interesting. Movies are pretty cool. I've never read the books either. I I'm through. I've been reading the books with the boys, so I'm through the four of them. But uh, but no, they're good. They're actually. I, I avoided them when they. I hadn't read any of them until the last one had come out. But uh, but they're good. It, the crazy. The uh, crazy thing. I get a ton of shit for this, and along with like Doctor Who, like like I'm not making a value judgment on it. I'm not. I'm not saying. I'm not saying Harry Potter is good or bad. It's just I have no interest. And everyone now, the, people Doctor hear Who that. Thing flexes me though because you're such a freaking anglophile. Yeah, no, it just it doesn't it doesn't hit me. It doesn't it, do, it hasn't grabbed me. Well, I'm with you. I mean, who sucks? So I'm, I'm with you. Oh my god. Yeah, I can my very first editing uh thing in like what years I'm going to have to strip that out. <laughs> it's, it's not going you in. Could just, you could just uh you can overlay one of the uh where's Chris Neesman uh um voicemails that we've been getting. <laughs> I'll reverse your speech. It'll sound cool in relation to the Morrison stuff. There you oh, go. and a quick oh, hat right, tip thanks. to our good friend Matt Burden who the story that he articulated to us about his uh, his his anniversary wrestling event was so 
astounding. I it, you almost it almost can't be believed. It's such a I mean the, the, and and so you want to talk about a a um an effort and perseverance and uh, and try die hard. I mean, yeah, die my hard. goodness. I mean, c- c- congrats to to Matt and his partners for yeah. for what sounds like a pretty harrowing day or two that I think would have crushed a lot of other people, and yet they pulled mm-hmm. it off and then some. So that's awesome. If you if you'd like to read the whole story, come to our forum. Ding ding ding. Eleven o'clock comics dot com. Take you right to it. It's uh, it's still on the main page. It's pretty high up there because everybody's clicking on it. Uh, read it. It's there. Eleven o'clock. Eleven o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> no, that that's only when Chris is on. Eleven o'clock comics dot com. Nice. Thank you for being here. Thank you, Ron. We love you so much, and we also love the listeners. Yeah. Right. Be here next week. We'll be back. You know it. Every week, baby. Four years plus. I never thought David would last this long. <laughs> Dude, yeah, that's we haven't kicked so me tired. off yet, so. <laughs> That what? Uh, Said that joke so tired. He says that every other episode. I, I I'm wondering how he puts the head he doesn't, set doesn't on like, no. with his with his hands all nailed to the cross like that. He doesn't, uh, oh jeez! <laughs> I thought I didn't let shit go. Damn! <laughs> wow. Vince never met never met a a get together he didn't want to he didn't blow off. Uh. <laughs> shit! He oh <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, Vince, you going to Mocha? Yeah, brother. All right, man. Cool. <laughs> okay, make it. Dude. Yeah, man. I got all that out. I'll see you there tonight. Cool. Okay, make it. Dude, talk to the other half. That's all I'm saying. Vince, C2E2. Yeah, dude. I'm a dare. I'm there, dude. I'm going to get inked. Okay, I was there. <laughs> yeah, this, that's true. The one time I couldn't make it, you actually made it. Figures. Yeah. <laughs> that's um, true. Are we are we actually done recording? Are you, is this a, <laughs> Not, we're, we're never really done. <laughs> never. We're done until someone until Vince uh, decides that he has got enough to embarrass us. Well, you got to get that zinger in at the end. You can't just end it. <laughs> could come now. Could come in a half hour. Who knows? <laughs> you know, we, sh- we should give a shout out. Well, tomorrow next week we should talk about the e- uh, the EOC anthology. Yes, we should. Yeah. Oh, nice. Good. Yeah. It's something special. And it is. Would like, I didn't realize like we were characters in some of the stories. Oh hell yeah! Oh yeah! Did you get to the last <laughs> yeah. page, Jason? No, I haven't. I'm going. <laughs> I want to do that now. Yes. <laughs> what? Do you have it next to you? No, I don't. Oh. Damn. You, you uh, need to read that last page, dude. <laughs> okay. Jason would be like, "What? What?" <laughs> <laughs> all right, we're out of here. We love you. Did you guys? I assume you. You. We all got copies of that. Um. I don't. Is it? It's a little small to call a poster, but the thing with the four of us in like action poses, like no. you know what I'm talking about. What it's like a that? color. It, it was a color illustration. I forget who drew it of the four of us, and I'm I'm in like a Captain America pose, but I have a suit on. Right. Oh no no I, that's 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 the Andy Tom Avengers number four. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I I did not get a copy of that. Oh, okay, so so I I was showing the the. The family, it when it came yesterday, I was like, "Oh, look at this! It's uh, it's Daddy and his buddies and his uh, character." And so, who who you think's wise ass? My wife goes, "Wow, they they really drew you like really muscular, <laughs> like you're married to me. Like that's what you say." Feel the love. Uh, Jack Kirby drew everybody muscular. Ugh. I was like, "And your point?" It's, like, it's real life, baby. I'm like, make. It's funny, right? Yeah. I think Ron did the Chris falling asleep thing. Ron. No, I'm here. I'm here. <laughs> well, I'm waiting. I want to tell you something, but I don't want it to be on the show. So, so oh, oh, okay. Hey, everybody. We're out of here. See you later. Get going. Bye. <laughs>
nutritious, high protein, and swallow raw eggs. Try to build up his shoulders, his chest, arms, and legs. Such an effort, if we only knew of my plan. In just seven days, I can make you a man. and chin-ups, do the snatch, clean and jerk. He thinks dynamic tension must be hard work. Such strenuous living, I just don't understand. When it's just seven days, oh baby, I can make you a man. 